Now is the time, a time you'll look back on, a time you adopt as inspiration. You'll recollect this time, this moment, right now. Motivate yourself towards success. Overcome, take over. The time is now. Long to go, Wembley. Here we come. Do 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 do. All right, lads. How's it going? All right, mate. Yeah. Not too bad. Not too bad. Great show last night, Richie. Thank you very much, mate. See you out there. It was, it was weird not having you on the screen. Yeah, it was. Not, it was, not, was not not left the uh, imbeciles to run the asylum last night. <laughs> Nah, you're well able to manage it. You know what to do. Uh, how, how's things, GP? All good. All good. Um, yeah, it's a nice week <clears> off. So, spending time with the family, keeping busy. Um, yeah, can't complain. All nice, calm before the storm, ready for Sunday. <coughs> nice, nice. Well, we said we'd surprise people today and uh, throw a show in. Uh, uh, just, just we we need to t- to make sure I have them checked out and 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 Sean was going to be available before we put it out. But yeah, it all checked out and Sean was ready and waiting for us, waiting on us this time, not the other way around. But uh, look at this man. I'm not going to say anything about cow- cowboys. Uh, he's asked me not to. So I, I'll just start. I'll introduce him by saying this man has been talking tickets all week. So he has so many tickets that he said probably has two to give away tonight. You wouldn't know. Uh, but let's get him on. It's Sean. Right, John. All good. Let's kick it off. So, where are we starting with it? <laughs> no pressure. Uh, yeah, you know how we we have a, a detailed agenda in place for for all our shows. But uh, where would you like to start, John? I don't mind. I suppose we kick it off with the final, really, and what do you see from it? What do I see from it? You know, the for me. I don't, I don't know, I'm, I'm not remotely nervous about it because I think it's well within our remit to, to beat Man United. You know, I've watched them a couple of times over the last couple of weeks and I don't see the fuss of them, you know, being honest with you, in the sense of we're playing well and we're not scoring, you know. I feel like we're holding back a little bit. There's a couple of players kind of probably not going full tilt with the final in mind and stuff like that, like, you know. Um, but I watch United play and they, they're a strange setup, like, you know, and it's, it's something that Ten Hag done as well at uh, Ajax. He presses a wide to the centre-backs. So his wingers actually press the centre-backs, which makes their pitch, they're, they're very narrowed in, like, which could, which could give our full-backs and our wingers, that would allow us to isolate their full-backs. You know, they get caught out man v man defensively an awful lot. Leicester were probably 3v3, I'd say, on about four or five occasions in the first half at the weekend. You know, 
if we get that opportunity, you know, I can see, I can see it's either going to be St. Maximin or it's going to be Almiron. One of the two of them is going to have the game of their lives because they're going to get so much space. If you look at Tete at the weekend, there was so much time, so many times he was free and he has absolutely nobody marking him. What happens with, when they press like that so hard, we actually end up fullback versus fullback. You know, in, a, in an attacking situation, we have a massively overloaded because they, they, it's their front three press the centre-backs. So they have three players pressing two centre-backs. The kicker for us is we have two very good football and centre-backs that will beat that press. You know, and then on, on if they can get Trippier Freedom as well. You know, I can see where Manchester United are going to be overly dominant against us. They're reliant on Rashford, whose form is absolutely astronomical at the moment you know that doesn't last forever either so you have two teams going into a final one team that is playing well not taking their chances another team that's playing from my eyes I think they're playing average and they're unbelievably clinical you know so for me going into it I think we're going to win it and I'm not saying it because I'm a Newcastle fan because I support the club, but I watch. I try to watch football as a neutral now. You know, maybe it's because I'm getting old and stuff like that, and I'm not as emotionally invested in it. You know, week in, week out. But I look at both teams as a neutral, and I kind of think to myself, we have the beatings of them. Like, you know, I don't see like Casemiro coming back in is a, is obviously a big boost for them, but they carry so many passengers. Yeah. You know, out of possession. Even Rashford out of possession is a passenger. Fernandez out of possession is a is a passenger. Anthony, if they start him, uh, Weghorst is a, is a passenger. You know their full backs are very static. You know Newcastle. If Newcastle go there and if there's no nerves and they're up and at it, I don't see how they're going to how they're going to stop us. Um, and I'm not saying that as a Newcastle fan. I'm saying it as just looking at both teams playing over the past couple of months. You know, form in the final is irrelevant. You know, the one thing that they do have on Newcastle is they have a lot of big game experience. Yeah. You know, and that's that's, that's their cool. advantage. That's the only difference, Sean. Honestly, it's the only difference is that they've got they've got players that have won trophies. Even your Rashford's won the Europa League and, and the the Carabao Cup previously. They've got two players in that team that have won big trophies. That's the only difference. But what I've noticed about Man United is that they give the ball away a lot. They'll try yeah. and risk passes. They'll try and risk move from difficult positions. Um, you know, fake Bruno, as I said on Monday, he he's 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 the biggest culprit for it. He he tries risk passes passes that gives the ball away. And as you said, you watch the Leicester game. Leicester could have been three 0 quite easily. And the game's different if they take one of their chances. Harvey Barnes. It was a decent save by De Gea, but it was probably a. a, a Bigger miss, a little bit like Almiron against Liverpool. It's a bigger miss than it was a good save. The game's different, and uh, you know what we need to do is keep the ball. And we've got that triangle back, as you talked about, Sean. We've got Botman, Shaw, and Bruno in that little pocket to create the opportunities on the ball to to pass the ball and keep the ball in tight spots. If they can do that and break the lines, and uh, once you once you get past their midfield, it's open season. Because they gift, they do gift chances. Now, the one thing I'll say is, is that you mentioned, you know, it could be Maxi or Almiron to have the game of their lives. I actually think whoever plays up front could have the game of their life because, as you said, they are very narrow, and because our wingers play very wide, it will pull the centre back out at some point, whether it's the left centre back or the right centre back, and that then creates space for whoever's playing up front. So if the ball in the box is right. Someone like Wilson or Isaac could could potentially cause havoc in there, and they've both got the beating of those centre backs. 
the thing about it as well is Casemiro, no matter who they start in there, they don't screen the centre backs. You know, like they never screen like their centre backs are wide open. You know, they have a very strange style of playing. I'm surprised it hasn't been found out yet, you know, because they haven't really been pressed as aggressively as Newcastle press. My worry there is that Newcastle haven't got the fastest backline, and that's what happened to us against Liverpool. You know, like our most reliable thing all season has been our offside trap because we can't rely on the pace of our, of our back four in general. You know, Botman isn't the slouch, but like you're talking Cher and Botman, their average pace, you know, Trippier isn't that quick and Dan Bourne obviously isn't that quick. You know, mm-hmm. Liverpool sp- sprung our offside trap three times last week. They got two goals and Pope got sent off. You know, I think last week, I actually kind of, when I digested last week, I was like, this is a good thing. This is lesson learned. You know, you can't press that high. The defence is probably 10 yards higher than it usually is. You can't press that high and aggressive, you know, versus a, a, a front three that's so quick. You know, and if we press like that against Rashford, who will look for that space in between Sharon and Trippier, the same space that Cody Gakpo looked for and that Darwin Nunes looked for, you know, a few times. I think Liverpool game and kind of getting beat like that and the recovery, you know, because I thought we played very well when we went down to 10 men, was probably a good thing. You know, People talk about our form being bad, like you know, but like we've lost one game since the turn of Christmas, you know, not counting Sheffield Wednesday. We've had a few draws and a few wins. Our form isn't bad, we just haven't been scoring goals, you know, and that's it, you know. And I think you have the likes of a uh, Callum Wilson and stuff like that, it looks like he's minding himself, you know, like he's not been at it for the last couple of weeks, you know. I'm I love Callum Wilson, I think he's fantastic, but he looks like a player that was protecting himself. He did you know? the same for Walker. He did exactly the same for the World Cup. Yeah. yeah, you know, so I'm hoping that we see a totally different player and and uh, fine, because in my opinion, he starts. If he's fit, he starts. You know, and from what I'm told, he is fit. You know, so, look, I think Isaiah coming off the bench is probably even a, a better option than starting him because he'll absolutely stretch the game. You know, I hope that when we went down to 10 men that people see that any idea that anybody has that Isaiah as a number nine is wrong. When you see him go wide, he absolutely stretches teams. He needs ball into feet and he needs to be facing up players. You know, it's the same as a duality mistake. Like, you know, putting him as back to goal is you're wasting a player. You know, the he's not a Wilson replacement. He's either he's either playing off the front he's either playing off a, a number nine or else he's playing wide. You know, because you see it like ASM and a, Isaiah, they absolutely stretch that Liverpool defence with ten men. You know. If you're doing that against a Manchester United with 65 minutes, 70 minutes gone on the clock, and they haven't got the quickest back four either, and they're aging, you know, he'll he'll get opportunities in behind the likes of Shaw or is it Diallo or whoever they start at the full back positions, like you know, and Varane tends to get dragged very high as well. Like, you know, good centre back, but he's not the centre back that he was. You know, so there's there's a lot of flaws in that Manchester United team, and I think a lot of fans are looking at the form guide road actually watching them play. Yeah, so, so you don't think so we're, we're, we need snookers for looking at that uh, Barcelona game tomorrow, and and I, I, we'll, we'll, I know I'll be nah. watching every tackle going in, going out. I hope, I hope they're, I hope they're fully fit. You know, I don't want any excuses really? or any nonsense. But why, like, you know, I look, I think we have a team of eleven players that play for each other, and they will go out against every single team and give 100%, and that's all we ask for. You know, I don't want to look at another team for injuries or red cards or sendings off. I think it's a bit of nonsense being honest with you. You know, I want them full tilt, and I want us full tilt, and I think we'll beat them. You know, I don't care about their players getting sent off or who's fit, because I think we have it in a locker to beat them. I think we will be that bit more hungrier. You know, 
that's all that's why I feel about it. and I think the aggressive press won't suit him. You know, I'm I'm interested to see how he implements Joelinton. Does he implement him in the space to cover Astro's running or does he sit him in on top of Kashmir and trying to shut him down? You know, because it's either it's either Guimaraes has to keep an eye on Rashford because Rashford will try to sit in between the defence and the midfield or as Joelinton keeps an eye on him. My opinion, I'd probably start off with Joelinton keeping an eye on Rashford and see how the game plays out. You know, and let Kashmir have the ball in the in his own half of the pitch. You know, and see how the game progresses from there. Um, I don't know. I just maybe I'm more of a confident like, but um, I I don't know. It's I think it's written in the stars in a sense, like you know, and even without kind of even without that, and even with Nick Pope getting sent off, it's it's a big big loss. Like you know, I don't really carry us at all. You know, I'm not going to get caught up in this. It was only a bad final. He was also terrible in the final against Roma. You know, if, if people people forget both legs of that game as well, he was shocking. And the preseason afterwards, he wasn't great. Like so, let's hope he has a good game. You know, but at the end of the day, we have to outscore him. As simple as that. Like. Yeah. Okay. It's interesting you say about written in the stars. I was I was just watching the Twelfth Man podcast with Pete. But Pete was on before with their Dan, and even Dan from Man Night, he turned around and he said, "It's written in the stars that Carries is going to have a blinder." It is like, isn't it? It's it's this fucking it's this Amazon documentary. Like you have this handsome blonde German fucker coming in there for the final, like you know, and it's just like everything you want to do about it. He goes up, he has an absolute worldly in the final. He ends up keeping the spot and getting us into the Champions League. You know, it's a it's it's a proper goal kind of story, like isn't it? Yeah. Every man you fan, every man you fan I speak to, um, it's almost like they were more confident when Pope was in goal. Now Karis is in goal. They're thinking, "Shit, could he? Could he be the one?" And it's and it's crazy because on Saturday evening we were the probably every single one of us were the opposite. We were like, "Shit, Karis yeah. could be the one that maybe loses his final." But yeah, look, you know the, I, I, the last time I watched Karius play was the Champions League final. It was over in Portugal. My buddy, we said we go over there for the went over there for two days for the final and stuff like that for piss up. He's a Liverpool fan. I had the time in life for Carius. <laughs> you know, like I was, he, he got onto me the minute Pope got sent off, like, and he's been ripping me every day since he was like, I swear to God, I'm going to go at your house and I'm going to bang down your door just to celebrate in your face. So, uh, yeah, look, like, it's, um, I don't know. Look, it is what it is. He's, again, look, like, he's a goalkeeper. You know? One thing I'll say yeah. is, I said it on Monday as well, is that um, we've had games this season where the defence has been that good that the goalkeeper Pope has not had much to do, no. so uh, no, I'm not saying it's, I'm not saying that's possible again because it's a final. And look, you know, Man United will try and go for it, but um, <laughs> giving him as less as less <clears throat> work to do as possible is going to be beneficial for us. Look, like, even even outside of his goalkeeping, something that's very relevant in today's game is the is a is a keeper that's good with his feet as well. You know, he's excellent with his feet. He's a great passer of the ball, like, and he is a good sweeper keeper. So, I think, I think Pope. If you look at the stats, Pope is probably the best keeper sweeper or sweeper keeper in the Premier League this season for intercepting ball and playing high and cut and um, actually kind of cutting out play and stuff like that. His stats are fantastic. But I think the likes of uh, Sanchez and stuff like that, or even Carrius, and they're just better on the ball. They're better at moving the ball. They're quicker at moving the ball, and they can pick out passes that a little bit better. Look, maybe that kind of plays into our advantage in the final. We don't know. You know, I think you'll know how his game's going to go with the first shot and goal. Jimmy. So, yeah. look, he's a professional. He's 29 years of age. He's, he was he had a great career besides that kind of end of the season with Liverpool. Like, the first half of that season, he was, like, they were talking about, like, he was going to be the next German number one. You know? 
took a huge confidence hit. Like, how was he recovered over the last few years? That page up for carries. That was, a, that was, I saw it there last night. I don't know if it's still there yeah, now. Yeah, um, people on, yeah. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. that was 2017, 2018 uh, Champions League season. But I think someone in the, uh, I think Andrew Musgrove mentioned last night, he had something like in that same season, he had 17 clean sheets in the league as well. He was absolutely flying that season, you know, up until around, I think it was the quarterfinals. He had, a, I think he had a, he dropped a clanger in the quarterfinals. And then he had a bad one in the semi final and in the final as well. And in a couple of league games, it looks like whatever happened in around there, kind of in, in kind of coming to the end of the season, his season took a shit like. You know, he he had a couple of bad games, a couple of Norvi kind of catches and stuff like that. Like, you know, there was a thing when he signed for Newcastle, there was a fellow probably like um, on his complimentations of uh, of his downfall. Like, you know, and it was almost like it was about 10 games left in the season and he, he just kind of, he hit the skids like for some reason. It's confidence. Yeah, absolutely. Confidence. Yeah. Playing for Liverpool and with the expectations they have and the type of season they were having, because let's, let's face it, up until the, the final, they, they were just smashing teams week in week out and you know if you're playing under that sort of pressure with that ex- expectation and and you drop a clanger or you make a mistake you're going to be made to remember it like you know look let, let's not let's not forget for for all the mistakes like, Allison's made a massive blooper last night but he's got stuff in the bank he's got stuff in the bank not just at, yeah, yeah. at Liverpool but at Roma because he was an outstanding keeper at Roma, which is why they signed him. And because he's got that in the bank and, it, you know, it's almost like, oh, well, you know, he, he, we're not going to blame him. He's kept them in the league, in, in any sort of decent position this season because of how good he's been. We win the game if it wasn't for him on Saturday, even with 10 men. You know, it, it's that kind of thing. But, you know, every keeper makes mistakes, as you, as you say, Sean. And, um, it's the recovery think- from it, though, is the worry for me. Yeah, you know, if he has a if he has a shaky ten minutes, you're thinking, "Fuck, we're in for a long one here." Like you know, whereas if he has two or three good saves, or if there's if there's a little bit of a confidence builder, because he's obviously somebody that struggles with confidence. You know, like his like you're talking first half of that season, he was one of the best keepers in the league. You know, being tipped to get a call for Germany, and then that drop off was astronomical. Like you know, you're just hoping that he has rebuilt it. You know. But like players have psychologists and psychiatrists and all this kind of stuff now these days, you know. So like you're hoping that he has worked for a professional, you know, that he has got this part over his game, that if he does make a mistake, he has kind of building blocks to kind of get himself ready and adjusted, like you know. So look, fingers crossed he pulls it out. Like Sean, I think, I think the interesting thing about that is though, you know, keepers can learn from the mistakes. Now I think that's the same with what Carrius can do. Carrius can learn from his mistakes. You'll always be will always be in his back of his mind, but once you know if he if he makes one good save early on in the game, that'll settle them down. But I think one the other good thing we, you've got to remember as well, we've got a fantastic man manager in Eddie Howe, his coaching team that'll have given him the confidence to, you know, that he needs to be playing in this sort of game as well. Not that he probably needs it. You know, he's we've said before, he's experienced at this level, you know, Champions League Premier League. He's a German international, we've mentioned before. Obviously, he probably would have played more games if it wasn't for Manuel Neuer. Um, so it's he's probably got the best backroom team behind him that he could probably want to. <clears throat> I'm on a confidence basis. You know, you, you'd wonder, though, like, with the potential of this, why didn't he include him in the squad coming up to the final? You know, like, if you brought him into the squad and had him just in and around the first team, you know, with the potential of something could have happened to Pope that he's definitely playing in the final. You know, for me, he's kind of, he's micromanaged um, Callum Wilson kind of in the build-up to the final. You know, why didn't he do the same with Carrius and just include him? It's not a criticism. Like, I suppose it's easy to look in hindsight and say, that went wrong, you should have done this. But, like, 
just even including him in a couple of games just to get him in on the first team squad, like you know. Sean, uh, while we're on the topic then of, of just individual players, maybe we should, and, and you have a massive uh, whiteboard there behind you, maybe we'll have a tactical masterclass from you. But uh, <laughs> uh, you're uh, w- w- 1 to 11, who are you starting? Oh, Carrius, Trippier, Cher, Botman, Bourne, um, Joel, Den Longstaff, and Bruno. I'm going Wilson, ASM, and Almond. Fix itself. You know, the, the thing about Newcastle is. We have too many functional midfielders and not enough technical midfiel- t- tactical midfielders. You know, you look at our when you talk about like your your diamonds, or you, like you have you have Cher, Botman, and Bruno who play together. Then you have Bruno, Longstaff, and you have um, Joelinton. Say, you know, you look at Joelinton, you look at Longstaff, and you look at Willock. They pretty much do the same thing at different levels. Joelinton is for me, he's world class. You know, you have. Willock, who's a couple of levels lower, and then you have probably Longstaff, who's a level lower. You know, but neither of them are going to get you the goal or assist or pick out that pass or, you know, break a defence down. And that's where Newcastle struggle massively. You know, with the the other two sides of the, the triangle, now you have Bruno at the base of it, and you have whether it's Longstaff, Willock, Joelinton, none of them can pick that line break and pass or they're not going to get it. They're not going to grab you a goal or dig you out with a goal in a game and stuff like that. Like, you know, we have too many midfielders that function within a pressing system, you know, so that's why you need like a, a James Madison or somebody in there, you know, another dynamic. Oh, like, oh, you know, it started already. It's started. Come on, it man. is though, you uh, know, it, it's a massive. Just, just get started. Just, <laughs> if if the credit wasn't cup time. <laughs> I know we talk about Madison on the hour, but yeah, but no, I'm just saying though. Like that's, I think, I think that's a huge flaw in the Newcastle setup. You know, people talk about Dan Bourne or they talk about you know this, that, and the other player. It's that third player in midfield that we miss. You know, Bruno Joelton, perfect. But Longstaff, I love him because he gives 100 percent. Same with Willock, but they're just not technical enough to match that tree. Absolute workhorses give 100 percent. You know, week in, week out, but they're not going to pick that pass. They're not going to get you those goals or assists. There's a big decision to be made around that midfield three come the summer. You know, because so. you need to get that dynamic right. Dynamic right. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know whether they, obviously Daz and Pete will agree with that. I think I've noticed it a bit more when, when Longstaff plays with Bruno, you do set, tend to see him being able to, I think it's probably because of the, the space that's created in midfield that people are more focused on Bruno. He has been able to play the odd through ball that's, you know, been a fantastic through ball that's set up with a, you know like an attack or an assist or something like that. But I think what obviously we we touched on it last night and obviously it was something that Chris had mentioned about obviously before the injuries and people let go about Bruno come back into the team. Would he get back in? Obviously, if we'd had a good run over the last three games. But I think we've it's been clear to say that over those last three games, the, the, the Bruno's integral to that that midfield three. He makes everything tick. It goes through him. He creates everything. And with him not being there. There's been nobody who's a natural creator, as you're saying, Sean. Um, but I think when, when Bruno comes back in, Longstaff does have that little bit of creativity to him. Not to the level as what you say in Madison or someone of that like level, but it's nice to see he's, he's got that little bit of a strength to a ball, you know, if needs be. But see, the, the thing about the, the, the big thing with Longstaff and Willock that, left, that leaves them down, in my opinion, you know, um, is they can't, they can't take the ball in midfield with their back face in the opposition. They have to be turned and they have to take it in a stride. They find it very hard to get turned. You see the way Bessic in their midfield there for Liverpool, the way he turned out. 
you know, granted, you know, you look at it ta- ta- technically and you say he turned onto the wrong foot. He should have shielded Longstaff with his body, but Longstaff was after committing himself. It didn't really matter. Longstaff and Willock really struggled to get themselves turned when they received the ball. If you give Willock the ball on the run, he's an absolute gazelle. Like, there's no catching the man, like, you know, strong as an ox. There's no stopping but we are, we don't have enough midfielders that can actually get turned and pick a pass. You know, and you're seeing that now with with uh, Bruno Guimaraes, you know, being out. You have nobody in that midfield. Joelden can do it to an extent. Joelden, because Joelden is incredible at passing and moving. You know, he creates that space so he doesn't have to turn. You know, when you have Joelden, Longstaff and Willock in the midfield, you're very restricted on actually turning and making a quick attack. You know, and that's what's left a stone with Bruno. You know, Bruno can, Bruno's probably one of the best in the world at receiving the ball with his back facing facing the other team like you know he turns he picks out players it's unreal you know what we're doing at the moment and people have to understand as well where we are in a stage of progression like you know we're only a year and a half into it not even you know like we're three transfer windows <clears> into it um, and at the moment for me you have Longstaff and you have Joelinton who are playing as defensive blocks for the wingers you know so effectively you have granted Admiral works hard but ASM he doesn't do enough tracking and stuff like that so you're like Sir and stuff like that. They become defensive blocks, your wingers. So they can't really be that attacking. Like, you see the impact that ASM has had on, on Dan Bourne. Like, you know, there's way more turnovers. So Dan Bourne has been highlighted a lot more. Like, and now you have Joelton, which is pushing centrally, which is leaving a huge gap. So you're seeing Dan Bourne get highlighted in the last couple of weeks. And he's not good. He's not this. He's not that. He's the other. But it's the fact that I'd say if you got the stats on our turnovers in the last three games versus with ASM or the team, the difference is astronomical, I'd say. And that's that's the problem. You know, they're finding easier to target them at the moment. That will change on Sunday. It, it goes back to the point that I mentioned a while back, is that you just touched on it. Bruno Gomeris is the only one that can break the lines with, with quality and creativity. You've talked about Joe Linton, and you're absolutely right. Nice triangle passes can keep the ball, can keep the ball move, moving, tick things along, as can Longstaff. Will it can to maybe a lesser extent? His ability on the ball needs to improve, in my opinion. But that's where we need to decide as a club next season, what do we want? Do we do we want runners? Do we want workhorses? Or do we want that little bit of stardust, a little bit of creativity and quality that may not run all day for you, but will provide moments that will win the game? Now, the only one we've got in that midfield, in that midfield, centre midfield, is Bruno Gomez. And we put we put our house, our mortgage, our life on him every single game. And See, he is the one that's expected to make the difference and he creates the difference. We need more than him because if he gets suspended again next season or if he gets injured for, for a, a significant period of time, we're going to be back where we've been the last three games. And we need somebody else to take the can to be able to pr- produce those quality of moments when someone like Bruno is not available and when you've got them both on the pitch or two or three of them on the pitch, you're creating opportunities where you're not only creating chances to score, those type of creativity, get my words out, those type of creative players can score goals themselves. Now, you've touched on Madison, but there's many other players that we're linked to that can not only create chances, they can score them as well. And that's the difference. If you look at Longstaff and if you look at stats alone, he probably has one of the highest volumes of line breaking passes, right? 
now look at that versus the quality of his line breaking passes. They're not great. You know, I'm a big fan of Longstaff. You know, I'm an advocate for him. Like you might, as you might have seen all the abuse I get over it. Um, but he is the perfect player for where we are now because hard work gets you out of a bad situation. Eddie Howe came in and all he had to build on was the hard work in the dressing room. You see why he didn't want to lose the likes of a Jacob Murphy and uh, Lascelles and stuff like that. He wanted to keep the leadership group together and he wanted them to build on the hard work. You know, hard work gets you out of a problem. You know, class and consistency is what keeps you out of it. And that's what they will add in the summer, you know. So if you're looking at Longstaff and if you're upgrading Longstaff with somebody who is that little bit more technical and with a bit of work rate as well, that changes the whole dynamic of the team. You know, because if he is available to have such a high volume of line break and passes, imagine it with somebody who's actually technically better on the ball. You know, so the system is right. But we have a couple of square pegs in our own walls at the moment. We always do. We do, you know, but it's for where we are in our progression. It's absolutely, yeah, you know, but where we are in our progression, fuck, we're way ahead of where I thought we'd be. You know, um, like in top four, top five is probably a fault position, ref, you know, reflective of our squad, you know, because we don't have we don't have many world beaters. You know, as fans, we look at them and we'll say that they're all the best players in the world and they would start for Real Madrid in the morning. Like, but no, when you sit back and dissect it, like we don't have we don't like our first 11 isn't the first 11 of world beaters are a top five. You know, it's probably a false position where they are now. You know, there's there's absolutely huge work to be done somewhere like, you know, to keep this level. You can't keep this level with just hard work. You know, there has to be huge improvements in the summer. And I, that's why I think that they're probably held off on overstretching in January. Stick, sticking with the team then, Sean. So you've named your, your 1 to 11. So you, you have Willock and Isaac to come off the bench to change things if we need to or to mix it up a bit. And that's, that's, what, that's what you were looking at. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know that's if Willock was fit. Like, you know, I'm kind of about two, three weeks ago. You know, there was a kind of I was getting a, I suppose, getting a bit of noise about Willock and stuff like that. Like saying that his injuries didn't look great and stuff like that. And he was kind of playing through the pain and stuff like that. And I think it was actually um, <laughs> that one there. Um, that's a very <laughs> interesting one. Um, supposedly. Yeah, supposedly. Yeah. So uh, one thing I can say is that Ashford has met with the owner of Leipzig a few times, and I think. If we don't get Madison, he's the man that we're going to get. So I signed him and, and Football Manager Mobile about four years ago. That's it, done dealing, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, for Newcastle. <laughs> <laughs> he's still in my team, actually, if I go into it. You knew about him before anyone else. Yeah, I did. <laughs> like, like I said, write, write it down. Uh, <laughs> we we what happened to the last Football Manager guy. He was there, saw their husband, did with it. Yeah, yeah. I've just seen something, guys. Sorry to go off topic. That just is is crazy to me. I've just seen and, and look. He's been on the channel. He's a friend of the channel, Matty from the Magpie Channel, who's yeah. yes, desperate for a ticket, and he's just paid two thousand four hundred pounds for a ticket to go to the Carabao Cup final. I just think that's crazy to me. I'll be honest, I've been offered tickets. I've been offered tickets at four, five, six, seven hundred pounds. I cannot. A family, I've got a family, wife and kids, mortgage. I cannot afford to pay that sort of money for one game. I can't, I can't do it, no matter how much I love the club. But to spend £2,400 on, it looks like it's just a ticket. Like, it's not even like a, a box or hospitality or anything like that. What do you guys make of that? Because I just think that is crazy. 
But it's uh, you're you're feeding the system, then, like, aren't you? You know, like the you're bad to sell it, but you're bad to buy it too. You know, like how can you how can you rectify a problem if you if you're the cause of it as well? You know, if a person has a ticket for two and a half grand, and somebody is stupid enough to buy it, you know. Jimmy, there is like, for me. I was I'm the same as yourself. You know, I had my flights booked. I was planned to go over and stuff like that. I had up until last week. I had a ticket to sit in the Man United and. I got a Man United ticket, no about um, face value. Um, I gave it to a mate of mine who's a big Man United fan. But, you know, I've said to the lads there, I've been dealing with the same fella for years with tickets and stuff. I had two people I've been dealing with. Is that this year's game? No, that's, that's, that's Football Manager 2020. It you still have it there? I still have it on my phone, yeah. Oh, my God. Jeez. I haven't played you it. Since. The, you need to get the PlayStation Five version. I, look, I, don't, oh, that's another showpiece. The, <laughs> oh, the four part manage of the PlayStation was delayed by nearly six months, so I'm not buying it now. I'm waiting till next season. Sorry, but Sean. They, I think the whole ticketing in general, though, like you know, I've had two people who I've kind of fell out with over the last couple of months. There was one person promised me a ticket, sent people over from the whole lot, um, for the best part of nearly ten years, and I sent somebody over to him for a game. You know, I think it was like forty pound for the ticket, and when he met up with me, he's like hundred and fifty. So that's oh. the cost price now. Yeah, I tried to charge him hundred and fifty face to face. I reported him because um, I knew his season ticket numbers and stuff like that because I've been after getting tickets off him for so long. Um, but yeah, hundred and fifty face to face. There was another fellow there I've been dealing with, and he wanted seven hundred and fifty euros off me for a ticket. And I've done a lot of stuff from you know, as and I put him in contact with people and stuff like that, like seven hundred and fifty euros. You know, you're feeding the system, like you know, I wouldn't pay it, and it's not the case of being mean or anything like that. Like you know, it's just. You can, you could probably justify, you know, that to for one game, you know, but like not a Carabao Cup final, you know, and like you're feeding these fuckers there that like are just absolutely ripping people off, like, you know, it's it's disgusting. Like the one thing I hate is that ripping people off for something that should be face value. Like how can a ticket that's worth eighty pound? How can it charge somebody two and a half grand for it? Jesus, you know, it's absolutely disgusting. Like it needs to be stamped out, like. But like how do, how can't they like the tickets allocated to a person's name? And they're reselling it. How can't you trace it? You know, it's yeah. absolutely nuts, like. Yeah, I, I was taught that uh, Daz and uh, Pete know Darren, who comes on the uh, the live the live version we had when the fans come on. I was taught him before the game, and he turned around and he said uh, one of his mates had got off, got, managed to get a ticket, and literally straight away he sold it for six hundred quid. Literally the same day, wasn't even interested in going to the game. He just literally sold it. He wanted it so he could sell it, and make a profit on it. I just can't, you know, begs belief. I just don't understand why you'd want to do that. That's, for me, that's not a true fan. I don't know about you guys, but... Nah, you wouldn't do But, like, why would you do it? You know, like, what's rip, the... I don't know. You're ripping like, off you know, your fellow fans doing that. You know, the, the, the ticket I passed on last week was, I think it was worth about 800 euros they were selling for a ticket stub, and I passed it over for his value. Like, cause why would you rip off somebody that's probably a, a fellow fan or a friend? Like, you know, absolutely crazy. It is. It is completely. The one thing. The one thing I will say, and this is not defending it at all, because I don't defend people playing, uh, paying, or charging those sort of prices, is that we don't know what their situation is. We don't know whether that, like, that six hundred pound could feed their family, pay their bills, and this is why they're doing it. Like, they might really, really, really want to go to that game, but because they know how much money that ticket would cost, and they're weighing it up. A cup final first in 24 years or pay bills for my kids that might be a reason and so again 
would like to do this on the channel, played like the devil's advocate yeah. position. Um, I'm just throwing that out there <clears> because, <throat> look, cost of living crisis, things are getting more and more expensive every day. People live for their football, but at some point it might have been the difference. Now I could be completely wrong. This guy might be an abs- this guy or girl. I don't know who it was. Yeah, but an absolute clown and just trying to like, like you said, just uh, yeah, you know, play into the system and, and and gain advantage. But I'm just kind of throwing an alternative out there. That's all. But like, never yeah. get a leg, never get a leg up if you're pushing somebody else down. Like you know, like great point. Give me like I don't know this this Matty fellow, whatever his name is. Like you know. But like financially, like he's probably fucking. He might be getting a loan for this, or he might be putting himself into a situation. I, I, where he's I actually, Sean, I actually saw something. I don't know if it was on social media, but I read somewhere, literally within the last hour, that apparently someone, one of his sponsors for the channel, bought it from. I don't know whether that's true or not, but I have read that in the last hour. But whether that's the case or not, I don't know. And what is it? Is Russ, he like a Russ, YouTuber? Are you there, Russ? <laughs> <laughs> I want to joke. Is he is he a YouTube channel as well, or yeah, Mag the Magpie channel? It's Batty from the Magpie channel. Okay, I don't know. I, I probably it's came across it. I don't know much people, to be honest. Um, yeah, but look, 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 if he's if he's doing it for content and stuff like that, what he's probably paying for, he's probably making back. You know, he's probably doing match day blogs and all this kind of stuff, like you know. So maybe he's probably getting the money back where he's paying for, so he can justify it. Possibly, I just, I just, I saw that, and I just thought, you know, it was um, obviously he's buzzing because he's got the ticket, but and he, and he couldn't miss the game, but yeah, I just looked at the price and thought, wow, like that's that's big money, but yeah, there were lots of variables as to why that that might have happened, but I just, I just wanted to put that out there because you know, it's like I say, it's not even hospitality, it's not even like um, you know you've got any, any extras with that, you're literally just paying for your ticket to get into the ground. And watch the game, um, so uh, definitely an interesting. Um, yes, I know a fella that was sending uh, Wembley Club tickets there for that place. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. <laughs> I, I, I want, I want to say, tell me more, but I feel like we're we're going into a. Into no, a, we, won't a we won't go there. That's okay. We won't go there. If Martin was here, I would. <laughs> <laughs> He's scrambling for the phone. No, it's to get on. Yeah, I, so I, I, I think PD PDK has answered for you, though. There, Sean. Yeah, yeah. yeah and on that note, I just like to say, evening, Martin. <laughs> uh, right, Richard, we go for some questions. Yeah, will mate. Yeah, we'll do. Uh, first of all, I wanted to give a shout out to um, Dan and much. Thank you very much for the donation to the channel, mate. Much appreciated. Always appreciate whether you know. Whatever it may be, a couple of quid or whatever, it means so much to lads and uh, much appreciate that donation. However, he has actually asked a, a question as well. And he says, since the SM is coming uh, on our left, uh, a little look, bit of a weakness, the chemistry on that side just doesn't seem to work between ASM and Burn. So if Willock is back fit, do we get him back? Uh, do we go back to him and J7 over ASM? Um, me personally, I would. Um, and I think if if Willock wasn't injured, like nursing an injury, I don't think it'd be a question. You know, um, I think we all look. I think look for a fact. This is ASM's last couple of games for Newcastle. Like you know, so let's hope he goes out on a high. You know, he gets some great memories and stuff like that. Like you know, but 
it, it's it's ASM for the final anyway, you know, but if Willock was fit in the build up the last couple of weeks and stuff like that, and if he wasn't carrying this lock, I don't think it'd be a question that'd be Willock and Wellington. You know, with Dan Bourne on that left hand side. You 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 say that with a lot of confidence that ASM is going in the summer. Oh, hundred percent, yeah. So, yeah, they. I'll look. It's the final and no negativity and all this kind of stuff. But we'll do a clo- we'll do a show closer to the summer and uh, we'll talk about it in a bit more detail. But yeah, his time is done. Is that is that an invite for squad game three then, Daz? There. We've no thought. Put that in the show notes for that one in, on our agenda. Um, Daz, I think I think you must have put this one in. Uh, it's a question. Yes, from, was, yeah. from PDK. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Um, uh, in emotional games, i.e., Bournemouth, uh, Eddie return, LFC to stay in the top four. Is there a worry that the team may fold under pressure of big occasions, or maybe my nerves? Um. I don't think so. You know, you look at Bournemouth at home, we dominated them. Like they caught us on a they, they, they caught us on a quick break as well, you know, when Belling scored in the in the first game, you know, we dominated them, couldn't score. You know, I think if was it Joel and there had the chance, I think um Isaac picked him out in the first half early on. If he takes that chance, it's a different game. You know, and the same away from home. That away from home game was probably one of the worst games of football I ever watched. You know, you had two teams just looked like they they couldn't find their rhythm. You know, they've done a great job of stopping each other. Um, I think Trippier has kind of held himself back the last couple of weeks, being honest with you. He's not been as aggressive as getting up and down the line and stuff, you know. So I think, like say Trippier and Wilson and stuff like that have kind of held a little bit back in reserve with this cup final in mind. You know, and I think you've seen that in a couple of forms, like Bourne with a way and stuff like that. Like, um, but uh, no, I don't think the Will the occasion get to him? I don't think so. You know, I really don't because they're going into it with nothing to lose. You know, and it's the like the atmosphere is is going to be unbelievable there. You know, the first ten minutes, obviously, you know, it's an easy thing to say. The first ten minutes will tell you a lot, but um, I think Eddie Howe and his management team and stuff like that will have the players well versed on what they're going to expect, and the likes of Trippier and stuff like that with a strong voice. But when you have the likes of Lascelles and the likes of, you know, you have your Jacob Murphys and stuff like that around the team that are really positive influence and stuff like that, you know. I don't think the outside noise will bother him too much. Yeah. Um, Joey Toon for Life put a good start in before. Was obviously, we were talking about uh, Man United being able to get at and of the fact that there's no tracking back. For, uh, and obviously, one of the things he wanted to, uh, mentioned was that Garnacho played on the left against Leicester uh, was brought up at half time because he wasn't tracking back. Hence why Leicester had so many chances starting from the left in the first half on Saturday, which obviously that's just backs up what you were talking about earlier on uh, in the show. Um, and Russ, our sponsor, thanks for uh, joining us again, Russ. Uh, he wants to know, Sean, who gets the first goal on Sunday? <laughs> Do you know what? I've been, I've been, I don't know, I've been kind of going around in my head with this, but Botman keeps on popping up for some reason because you know what? I said our that last night. I said our that set last pieces night. have been absolutely brutal, like you know, like the like trippier stats are kind of sometimes stats are sugar coated in the sense of he delivers the ball into the box and it's met by a Newcastle head. But the delivery is very flat. You know, there's no there's no real pace on it and stuff like that. Like, you know. And Botman, like Botman rarely gets on the ball in the box. It's always Fabian Cher. I just think does I don't know, for some reason I just Botman is sticking out my head that he's gonna get the goal. I I said that last night. The reason why I mentioned it, and it was actually uh, Keith Downey mentioned it later on, about an hour after the hour show finished, was because I think I just think it would be perfect for Sven Botman to get that was more like to get the winning goal because uh 
Ted Hart got rid of him in Ajax. I just think he, did, he yeah. had to just sum it back up and get his own back on him. But I don't know. I'll ask the question that we got asked last night to uh, Daz and Pete. Who would you, you know, emotional wise or just practical wise, who would you like to see Newcastle get the win, the winning goal for Newcastle on Saturday? Oh, sorry. First of all, I don't care who it is. Once, <laughs> once we hit the winning goal and we win. But, uh, for me, I'll go for my favourite player. I'll go for Bruno. I'd, I'd love to see him score. But who, and I'll answer the other question. Who predicts someone to score? I'm going to say Miggy. That that combination down down, down that wing, that, that that always happens. Trippy playing them in. Miggy. Pete? Yeah, uh, I'm going to have to go for an Englishman. Um, I'd, love, I'd love Wilson to score. I'd love that Wilson to score the winning goal. Um, that would just cement him as a legend at the club uh, for what he's done. Um, if he can score that winning goal, I think that will that will that, I think that would probably propel him into having a really good end to the season. Um, and look, for all of his injury issues, I really like Wilson because of the way he plays as a striker. His injuries are, are a concern, and I don't see him being at the club very long um, after this season. But um, yeah, it'd be great for him to score the winning goal. Um, yeah, him or, I, you know what, him or Longstaff. Him if, or I could, Longstaff. if I could pick one player, I'd love with Dan Byrne. Yeah, I really would. You know, I watched the uh, I watched his piece there. I was on Sky Sports there recently yeah. about like, you no, know, being a Newcastle fan growing up in the area and stuff like that. Like, and there's just the emotional attachment to it and stuff. Like, I'd fucking I'd love if Dan Byrne got it. You know, I really would. Uh, he's one. He's one. If I could pick someone, you know, and like when you say about Wilson, like I think Wilson's extension to his contract actually ties in with a coaching role as well. I think there's an option to take a coach and all, so he might be a player with his injuries and stuff like that. He might cut his career short. What did you know? 30 31. You know, nice. he's maybe two years left on his deal. You know, he's after moving his family to Newcastle, you know, which is something that didn't happen for a long time. Um, his family's up there now, you know, maybe it's something that he kind of sidestep into into coaching or something. You never know. Not a lot of players are keen on dropping on the leagues, like especially when you're injury prone. Yeah. If you read the, I don't know if you read the, Long, uh, Sean Longstaff article today that came out. It was a really, really good read, um, and it just shows where he was at before um, before Eddie Howe came in. He was rock bottom, seeing a, seeing a, a psychiatrist with regards to working on his mental state. He, he obviously he, he credits Matt Ritchie for for saving him, pulling him aside, um, and equally. Uh, Eddie Howe for changing his career around, and you know what? Like it, it, you know, it's easy it's easy to point fingers at footballers, but when you hear the intricacies of what they've gone through, because it is difficult. They get they get paid handsomely, and and, and we're absolutely right to criticise that at times. But they are still going through difficulties, and they are still put under massive intense pressure. And to see what he's been through and how he's come out the other end. And look, me and Baz have, have, have kind of endorsed him over the course of the season when lots of other people haven't um, yeah. and, and, and recognised his performances. And I think, you know, those two goals against Southampton were, were big moments for him. But for, an, for more of an attacking player, I know I get the Dan Byrne situation, but I think he's kind of had his moment with that goal against Leicester. But for him to, for, for Longstaff to be the one that, to, to, to score the goal, to, to lift the cup for the club, like, because he's going to be the one that probably outstayed Dan Byrne. Dan Byrne's 31 right now. Uh, Longstaff's, what, 25? He's still Long, got... Longstaff's going to get to Champions League finals and stuff, Pete, you know? <laughs> so he's going to be spoiled. I, 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 I genuinely, I genuinely believe this, 
that, uh, and I don't mean that he's going to start, but I, I don't see Sean Longstaff leaving the club anytime soon. I, I, I would not be surprised to see, even with other players coming in in years to come, I, I would not be surprised in seeing Sean Longstaff here in another five years' time at 30 years old. I really wouldn't because he knows what the club means. Um, but you, to, you to, don't, you to, don't to, want to, to the lose these players. You know, like it's uh, as I said there a while back, like he's he's Newcastle's Darren Fletcher. You know, like there was players that Alex Ferguson held on to that he could have left go way before, and it's just because of, they're the they're the tone setters. You know, like what you need in a team like that is you need a tone setters. Like you know, Jacob Murphy, Eddie Howe absolutely idolizes him. You know, the thing that we have to remember as football fans is we judge players for ninety minutes out of a seven day week of training almost. You know, 90 minutes is the snapshot that we get, and we make criticisms on that. Is Jacob Murphy good enough football to play for Newcastle now? No, absolutely not. But what he does in the training ground and the way he is in around the squad and stuff like that, he's a vital part of the squad. The Monday to Friday squad, the what we don't see. But what you you've know, said is squad. You've said yeah. squad. And yeah. he's going to be a player that, even if he doesn't start every week, that isn't going to moan, that isn't going to whine, yeah. that he'll come in, play every other week, and put, do a job for the team and do it with a smile on his face because he knew where he was under Steve Bruce and where he is now under Eddie Howe. And he'll always appreciate that, no matter what. And so those type of players, you look at Milner now at Liverpool, comes off the bench. I know he's not he's not a scouser, but still, like he knows he knows and appreciates the position that he is. So he comes on and does a job here and there, doesn't moan, doesn't whine, just gets on with his business. Like it's, it's, you talked um, about, Aaron Fletcher did exactly the same. Jason Park at Man United did exactly the same. You could go with other clubs and talk about other players that did exactly the same. You know, Sean, Sean Longstaff could be that for Newcastle, and you always need a player like that. Regardless. It's funny, like, because I was actually sent on, you know, when there was kind of rumours there, some were people leaving and stuff like that, and somebody sent me on a list, and they were like, these five players will not be going anywhere. And it was Sean Longstaff, Matt Ritchie. Jacob Murphy, Jamal Lascelles, and uh, Gillespie, the keeper. You know, like, whatever Gillespie does, you know, he's meant, maybe it's because he's a Geordie, he's a local lad, he knows the club, you know, but they're meant to be excellent in and around the dressing room. Tone, like, you know, they set the tone, like, you know, and you need those people, you know, they they raise the bar. Um, it's funny, like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, you know, but you, you have, it's, it's funny when people talk about, like, you know, like the way that they go on about footballers online and stuff like that, they see it, you know. Jimmy, imagine having that amount of abuse, you know. Like I see it myself, but look, like, I kind of I lean into it, like you know, I enjoy it. You bring it on, though. I, I I enjoy it, look, like because I as I always say, I have zero emotional attachment to Twitter. If somebody thinks Twitter is the real world, then they need to get their head checked, like you know. So when I see somebody getting spiked up and stuff like that, I'm like, ah, fucker, I catch you. Um, you know. But the I actually had a I had a I had a Newcastle player reach out to me recently. Um, he jumped in my DMs uh, based on a tweet I put out and he thanked me for his support, you know. And like for me, he doesn't follow me, he doesn't, I didn't tag him or anything like that. It was just a general thing put up on the Newcastle hashtag and he dropped into my DMs and stuff like that and thanked me for it. And we had a little bit of back and forth about it, you know. Crazy, like, so if he's seeing mine, like, imagine all the other he's seeing. You know, and you have people ranting and raving on the like, TikToks and all this kind of stuff, like absolutely stating people, like, you know, it's tough on confidence, though, you know. I apologize, Chris Wood. <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel guilty now? You ran them all the way to the no. forest. 
So, <laughs> unless, unless we go to a penalty shootout, I'll be there thinking, maybe he would have been handy. <laughs> Chris Wood was my favourite Newcastle player because I used to be able to get people so wound up with him. You know, I was like, he could have an absolute stinker, and I'd be saying, fuck, it's solid game, Chris Wood. Like, you know, and I'd just turn off the notifications and just leave it, leave it play out. There was a, there was Chris Wood, and then there was the back three, was a good, was a good one as well for a while. Um, so yeah, after I still can't forget when you did the uh, the Chris Wood with the uh, West Ham and about Zoom. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's legendary. Do that the, there's a few the, the, one of the biggest ones as well was the, the Calvert Lewin one when he said that um, he's uh, he's in full agreement with Arsenal and uh, Frank Lampard's after dropping him because there was a big fallout. I said, I think I put out on the tours there, and like, I was watching Sky Sports News, and next I seen Frank Lampard getting asked the question, and is the agent proud to report to say that there has been no deals with Arsenal? I was like, oh, hell. <laughs> I was just chatting to the lads there before we came on as well. Like, you know, my brother, he's a, he's a big Arsenal fan, like, absolutely loves Arsenal. You know, so with the Modric thing, like, I seen it kind of tipping around like that. So I said, I proved to tweet and out to see if it catches on. Like, you know, so I proved to tweet about uh, Modric saying he was definitely an Arsenal player and stuff. But 10 minutes later, he, he texts me. And he was like, it's a done deal, it's a done deal, you know, like, because he's not on any social media, like, you know, so he kind of caught up on a fan page or whatever like that, like, so he was delighted himself, like, nailed on next, but 20 minutes later, I just got a message off me, like, you effing prick, <laughs> will you stop tweeting about Arsenal? <laughs> <laughs> so, look, like, you have to have a bit of fun with it, like, you know, take everything I say with a pinch of salt. Uh, right, go back to questions, well, it's not really a question on this, but I think all of us would probably want this tomorrow night, is Man United to play 120 minutes tomorrow against Barcelona? I think yeah. every one of us would want that. I know I do. Uh, they couldn't have asked for a harder game three, you know, three days before the cup final, really. So, uh, do you think it'll go to 120 minutes, lads? I think United will beat them, and I think they'll beat them a normal player. Hmm. Interesting. I'm, I'm, just... not, I'm not looking for the 20 minutes. I'm looking for hamstring tweaks, injuries, yeah, off balls. Uh, ankle rolls, and they're the kind of things I'm looking for. Yeah. Thursday to Sunday, that I don't want anyone to be seriously hurt. Yeah, nothing like like come back for a week. No. Come out for a week, two weeks max. That's fine. That's that's okay for me. That sees them out of the final. That's what I'm looking for. Are, are, are you looking for uh, Barcelona players to do some Sabitza tackles on them on the? <laughs> no, 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 nothing like that. That was I'm mental, looking, wasn't it? I'm not looking for like horrible injuries. What I'm looking for is Rashford running down that left hand side at full pelt and then holds the left hamstring. At that point, I'll be punching the air, going, "Yes, Casemiro, Casemiro getting stuck into a, a meaty challenge, but." But you know, rolling the ankle on the way in, and yeah, they're the kind of things I'm looking for. Just, just the you know, Keaty's put in there, just the slight muscle strains, just the weak out type of thing. Absolutely spot on. That's what I'm looking for. But, 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 but equally, Sean, you said it right at the beginning. Even with those players, we can still win. But why not get the help? We've given them the help with with Nick Pope. Why, why not get the little help along the way? Yeah, every little helps. Oh, are we, are we, uh, Sean, we're going to say something about the Sabitza thing. What's that? You're going to say something about Sabitza when we mentioned it. You said it was mad yeah, or something. It was mental, wasn't it? Like, you, do you think oh, it was a red card? Oh, nailed on. You know, so I, know, I, know Pete, I, I know I messaged Pete and DM Pete about it because uh, to mention it on the show, I think it was on the one of the shows I, was, I wasn't on. I was at Night Moon Sunday night. And you, you looked back and you thought it was a yellow, didn't you, Pete? I don't think it's a red card. I don't know. 
Why not? You, and the reason why I say that is if you look at it again in full time, I for the for the if you look at the stills and the pictures that they look at on Sky on socials, they show it you in slow time. If you look at it in quick time, yes, the, the studs are up, but it's a very in and out. It's a but very if, you, if you think of it this way, right? If you swing a punch at a player, you're sent off for intent. So if you go studs up on the knee, it's a yellow card? Absolutely not. The leg is a lot more dangerous than the fist. You know, so the intent was there. If you're going up, leg side on is probably the most powerful position you can actually position your foot in. Side on to the side of the knee, the intent was there. If there was a bit it more motion from the player, it doesn't matter. It, it, the intent was there. You know, if you look at the rule book, you're, you're sent off on intent. You know, if you swing at a player and you miss, you're sent off. If you if you go to bop a player and you miss, you're sent off. If you swing a kick at a player on the ground and you miss, you're sent off because it's intent. How in open action, when his body didn't have to be in that position, it was an irregular movement and it was a movement towards the knee and probably the weakest part of the knee as well. You know, granted, I get what you're saying. He pulled out of it. There was no damage done, you know, and I think he probably realized last minute what he was doing. But if there was a little bit more motion from the other player, he was done. Career ended. Do you get me? That is a career mm-hmm. ending tackle. You're talking inadvertently bending the knee. That's ligaments gone on both sides. You know, the intent was there, and that's the thing. You know, Were you surprised you... there was no retrospective action, Sean? Um, I think based on what Peter's saying, and I think that's how they justified it. They said that the stills look a lot worse than open play. You know, but should there be retrospective action? <laughs> I think that's a horrible fucking challenge. You know, to go in like that. And I think Bruno's challenge was a shocking challenge as well. People can say what they want about the players losing control. He went to do it. It, it, the, was a, it, was, it. it was a record. The 10 minutes before that, right, he was running around with his head up his ass. Whatever was wrong with him, he was going to kick everything. He was, he was leaving his mark on somebody. Whatever happened, maybe something happened in the tunnel or something happened somewhere. But he was running around the place trying to do someone. You know, it's probably the best thing that he's got over the system because did he been like... The, the young player, like Dozy, whatever, he stepped over the ball. Granted, it was an irregular movement for him, but he went inside on his own leg across his body. He went to do him. Like, I love Bruno. I think he's fucking best thing since sliced pan, but he went to do him, plain and simple. And the intent was there. Even if he missed him with it, it's probably still a sending off because the intent was there. You know, I think it's the same for Swiss Blitz or whatever, whatever you want to call him. Yeah. Right. Of course, because you're on, Sean, there's some. Obviously, transfer questions coming as well and other stuff regards the club going forward. So I'll move on to those ones now. Uh, PDK has got another question for you. And he says, question for Sean. Uh, with our squad lacking quality, do you see us going heavy on youth in the summer or will it be more here and now, players? The problem with our youth system is we're not set up to actually bring in the youth right now. You know, I think we'll probably miss out on Chris Rigg at the moment. Being honest with you, I think he'd probably say at Sunderland because we don't have the facilities to accommodate him. And it's plain and simple. Newcastle isn't the place right now where you bring a 16-year-old for development. You know, and that's that's God's honest truth. It's not something that's available right now. Our academy system and behind the scenes is absolutely dreadful. You're talking, they're probably, they're looking at adding about 10 more heads to the backroom staff at the moment to facilitate where we need to grow. You know, and with the turn on the backroom staff and stuff like that, like, you know, that will chop and change over time. But I don't think that we have the facility now to bring in a 16-year-old player. Even at that, look at the reaction to Anderson after playing only 20 minutes. He was getting ripped apart on social media. You know, Chris Rigg, you know, talking to people and stuff like that. He's already affected by the noise on social media about where his 
career is going to progress. Never mind getting abuse on social media, being a 17-year-old, 16-year-old, playing for Newcastle United. You know, so I wouldn't be surprised if he's surprised. And you know what? If I was advising the young for myself, I'd tell him to sign a short-term contract at Sunderland, probably a two- or three-year deal, and keep your development going there. You know, they, for now, we're not set up that way. I know they've done um, they've done training, ground upgrades, and all this kind of stuff. But I think we had only one academy graduate last year, or one, one scholarship handed out for Premier League club. That's probably the worst ever in Premier League history. You know, like... We are kind of, it's almost at the moment, we're like a Lamborghini with a, a Ford Fiesta engine. You know, it's like, we look brilliant now because the, like, you know, everything is happening, you know, but it's all happening in the future. But like, if you look back from the first team squad, our reserve teams, our youth teams, absolutely atrocious. You know, there is no setup there. There is no path to progression. That will change over time. You know, they, they've they spent a lot of time um, over the last couple of months kind of over and back to, to Villarreal. And that's what they want to mimic, the setup that they have over there. You know, so over there, there's accommodation on the training ground. So at the moment, there's a, an American family um, with their young fellow over there. And he's there for three months. And the family are actually living on the training ground with him while he's actually going through a trial period and all this kind of stuff. They have people over and back from Ireland all the time. What they do is they set up camps all over the world. And they bring players over for two and three weeks now and then. And their, their family can come over them and they can stay with them. And the players live actually on the training ground itself, you know, and that's what they're trying to create. They're trying to create that type of facility and they're trying to mimic what they have in Villarreal at the moment. Um, have a look at it tonight, um, how Villarreal is set up and stuff like that. It's absolutely fascinating. So I think us investing in youth heavily um, for that age group is a bit off, you know, for the likes of Mateus Franca and stuff like that. Um, they're still working on that deal. They were trying to push it through, but the, why they didn't go so aggressively on it is because... It was a big financial outlay for a player that probably wouldn't get his work permit approved. You know, like I know I said, I put up a thing there for previously, it was about um, how Brexit and stuff like that implicates, like how we, where we are now and where Brexit mm-hmm. actually kind of is holding us back. You know, you have players at the moment, you know, Brazilian players and stuff like that, that are signing for clubs. Chelsea and those Chelsea. clubs, you know, but those clubs are giving parents and partners jobs at the club and then they're getting visas as skilled workers. You know, whereas Newcastle aren't doing that at the moment. You know, we're not getting in a, a Lucas Paqueta or like, you know, like Jeff heard the Dan Crowley rule at Arsenal where that to sign him, they actually got his dad a job as a scout and his dad never looked at a football in his life kind of thing, you know. Um, but that's what a lot of clubs are doing. They're getting in young Brazilian players and they're, whether it's their girlfriends or their parents and stuff like that, they're actually employing them as part of the club. So they get visas. So it's okay for the player to get a visa. But an 18 or 19-year-old probably doesn't want to move directly to the northeast of Newcastle by himself. And then his partner or whoever's only getting a bridging visa, whereas these clubs are actually giving him jobs. You know, we're not set up like that at the moment. You know, it's not something that we can oversee because we're so understaffed in a lot of these places. You know, you look at Andrea Santos, he still hasn't got his, um, mm. his visa for Newcastle. We don't have... we Financially, we can't stretch ourselves to spend the 25 or 30 million on Mateus Franca in January and not have them until the summer. You know, that's just not where we were, and that's what delayed the deal. You know, will we see investment in those type of players in the summer? Absolutely. You know, and then work through the work permits and stuff like that. But for the players, kind of, that would be around the under-21 team, we probably won't see a whole lot of investment. We see the likes of Alex Murphy, you know, and those kind of players coming through. But there's a reason why we missed out so many U players in the summer. You know, there's probably about 15, 20 U players visit the training grounds and stuff like that, and they chose to go to the likes of Southampton and Chelsea and other clubs instead of us. I think you meant Santos to Chelsea. Yeah, yeah. To Newcastle. Oh, sorry. Thinking, 
what's going on here. But I do disagree. I, I do think that there's still a really good chance of us getting rid um, from, from Sunderland. I get what you're saying. He's been exposed to... He's been exposed to first team football at Sunderland, but a big re- two reasons for that. Um, one of them that Sims, who was doing really well at Sunderland, has gone back to Everton because they needed him, and, and he started. Funnily enough, he started Anfield off off the back of that. Um, but secondly, because they wanted to give him first team football, almost to kind of say that he started his career at Sunderland uh, to keep him kind of tied down. But that just goes to show how weak. Their their lineups are and their squad is at the moment. Like See, it's they're playing, they're playing championship, championship football. Like it, that's that's to be expected. We're playing Premier League football, and I get what you're saying about our academy um, setup. And to be fair, I think it was Michael Palmer mentioned that you're absolutely right, and you are with regards to we've neglected the the junior teams, and and there is a massive rebuilding job to be done. But I, you know, with a rebuilding job, you need players to see that rebuilding job come to fruition. And if you're Absolutely. if you're going to rebuild a junior team or an academy, you want a player or players to kind of to to hang your hat on. And two players that spring to mind for me is is the young lad Miley who's who's been on the bench for Newcastle recently, who's come through the academy and then someone like Rig uh, a young 15, 16 year old to then see himself through the academy. They can be our shining lights for the next two or three years. Now, we've been awful with our academy. You're absolutely right. 100% agree. I don't think anyone could disagree with that. But with Dan Ashworth at the helm and with, uh, with people coming in now, we're only a year into redeveloping the club, not the academy, but the club in general. I think those sorts of players are going to be the ones that are going to be, in my opinion, the, the ones that will hang our hats on in, in two or three years' time to say, yeah, they came through our academy. They, yeah, they might have started elsewhere, but they came through our academy and they came into our first team off the back of that. What better way? It, it, it's, it's almost like a, a mini Chelsea model because Chelsea did the same. Chelsea were nothing with their academy. And then all of a sudden they were buying and developing players from other clubs and then having them as their own um, coming through the, the ranks. And it's going to take time. But what you want to see is progression and a, and a rig coming through with a Miley coming through at the same time would be like, would be proof that there's still light at the end of the tunnel with, with that youth academy. See, I think with the thing with Chris Rigg is and why they're actually including him in the squads and they're giving him appearances now is because if you play over, I think it's over 20 games for the first team squad, your um, compensation, if he does leave on a free transfer, goes from hundreds of thousands to millions. You know, so it's a different it's a different level of compensation. If you look into the case of Harvey Elliott with Liverpool, it details it out in that, like you know where they are. Absolutely agree with you, Enrique, but we've made him an offer. The offer's on the table, you know, and it's a it's a big offer, you know, for a kid of his age. But I think at the moment he's being advised to stay at Sunderland. I know he's a fan and I know we could build a, a U team around him and all this kind of stuff. But I think the advice at the moment is less pressure. And it's a better place to develop right now. Is you know? it 16? 16 he can sign his contract, is that right? Yeah, or 16, yeah. So he's still, he, he still hasn't signed it, yet. Yeah, he's still, he's still, uh, is he 16 now? I think he's still 15, isn't he? No, I think uh, he's 16. He's 16, I think. Well, it must have just turned. must have just turned, yeah. if that's the case. But um, there's still time. There's still time. If he can see, if he can see changes being made, 
It's 15. Uh, 18th of yeah. June is his birthday. Okay, so but if that's the case, that's perfect. He's got six months to see the, the club change in, in, from an academy point of view, and then he can make a decision in the summer because the season's finished. He can go, okay, which way am I going? Which way am I going to see my career? Um, but yeah, no, I, I can see your point as well in staying at Sunderland because he, he'll be exposed to more first team football. I prefer to sign him in two years' time from Sunderland. You know, you're going to pay that a little bit more, but. It's great development. Like the, the academy elite, and you can be ignorant if you want because they're rivals or whichever like that, you know. But the academy elite is a fantastic player for a place for a player to develop. You know, why not use that? You know, there's players. You know, you have the likes of you look at a uh, Hodgland there at um, Atlanta. You know, he was offered to a few clubs um, in England, and they didn't take the opportunity. And they said, for his potential, it's worth taking the risk to watch him at another club and then go big on him. You know, there's certain players that clubs leave move or they let them stay in a position to see how they develop. And then if you're paying off the odds, somebody else is taking the risk for you. You know, and I think that's something to factor in with young players as well. I think you see Newcastle look north of the border a lot. You know, they're they're kind of expanding their scouting into Scotland and into Ireland as well. Like, you know, so you see a couple of players definitely, you know, and they have a couple of players kind of highlighted from Scotland and stuff like that to come in. Um, I have been told a few times that we have a deal done for a, a young Brazilian player and a young Norwegian player. Now, I don't know if this player is actually Norwegian or is he based in Norway, but there are deals that are lined up and they were meant to be triggered in January, but for some reason they didn't go through and uh, they'll happen in the summer. But I think they're definitely, absolutely all in on Franca. You know, they see him as another level. Like, you know, a lot of people talk about not getting a defensive midfielder in January. You know, they thought they were nailed on for Santos. You know, and then they thought they were as a Peroni that went to Man City. You know, they thought they were absolutely convinced of getting him and both deals broke down fairly late from. What you have to remember is if we swing and miss, right, it has huge implications for us. At the moment at this moment in time, you know, we're probably at it we're about the ninety five percent mark of our capacity with wages. You know, wages to turnover are probably about 90 to 95%. You have Bruno, who signed a new contract. Joel, who signed a new contract. Sean Longstaff, who signed a new contract. You know, Miguel Almiron is up for a new contract. They're all ex- they're contracts with extensions as well, which will happen over the next couple of months. You know, all these things are going to add to the wage bill. Our wage bill could nearly be level, you know, in converse ratio. You know, so you're talking, we could nearly be at 100% of our capacity. That's why I think if, say, if the Bravka didn't come back in January, I think Shelby might have stayed because you could have probably facilitated his wages for the rest of the season. You know, our wage bill is maxed out. You know, it's... On, the, on that point as well, like, you know, there looks at the likes of um, Kefren Toram and Ugarte there at uh, Lisbon. The problem is, is that Chelsea absolutely ruined the transfer market for a defensive midfield in January. You know, like we made inquiries in, in December and the, the ballpark figure for Toram and Ugarte was in around the 25 to 30 million mark. Add-ons obviously take it up past that. Anyway, Chelsea who went in on Fernandes and when they thought they were losing out on him, they were touching base with um, with Lisbon and Nice and Lecla. We're keeping him uh, an eye on him there as a fallback. If this deal doesn't go through, Lecla, we'll, we'll look at him. So all of a sudden that 25 million became 50 million. Anyway, the club's holding out, waiting for Chelsea to spend stupid money. So they absolutely gridlocked the market. You know, and Newcastle couldn't invest in a, a number six in January. People will say that, oh, Winston McKenney went for on loan. 
but his attitude is meant to be absolutely stinking. There's a reason why he went from Juventus to Leeds, you know, and no other big clubs went from his his reputation as well. His star has dropped massively, you know, and that's why Newcastle weren't tempted to invest in him. Um, should they have got a number six in in January? Was it needed? Absolutely. Do I understand why? Not. I absolutely do. You know, was letting Shelby go a bad thing? Maybe. You know, but in three years' time, and if we're sitting here having a conversation, nobody will remember that January when we sold Shelby. We'd be thinking we're top three in the Premier League and we're there to stay. You know, granted, there's there's a chance of getting top four now, you know, and it would be a huge achievement, but is it worth a swing and a miss? You know, because if we swing and miss, and if we don't, if they over-invested, and if we missed out in European football totally, we're tied to Castore for next season. Financially, we are crippled. Right? You can talk about, that's FFP, that's just the basic standards. The, the white paper is out tomorrow on the new financial football regulator and stuff like that. Nobody knows the implications that that's going to have. But for us, a swing and a miss in January, right, was a way bigger risk than actually investing and hopefully getting top four. Jimmy, that's how I've seen it. And that's what's been explained that, to me. Do not think that Castore, the, the Castore deal will be will be cancelled early? Um, I've I've been sent down wow, copies. Deal. I I'll, I'll dig through the meshes and stuff like that, and if I can find them out there, I'll send them on. But I've actually been sent the the mock-up of what the jerseys they've sent into Newcastle, what they're making next year. So for Castore, there is no ghetto clause. Um, so the club could offer a hundred million, and they could say no. Do you get me? So, will that happen? They're working on it to get rid of it. But Castore was it about a month or six weeks ago? They handed in their their jersey designs for next season, wait and sign off, and they're releasing the jersey on the day of the San Fender concert. That's what Castore's plans are. So Castore are all in, and they're going to be our sponsor next season. I think this. I think. Sorry, Pete. I was going to say it's well. One about the shirt was about. I remember one of the shirts uh, shows we had on with with Kieran Maguire. He actually mentioned that something to do with FFP. If you actually cancel an ongoing deal already, it can actually have a negative effect on your FFP. So that's all. Yeah, it's something that you have. It might. Yes, the deal that Castor's not actually got is great compared to what it could do with Adidas, etc. But if you cancel an agreement, it can actually have a knock-on effect. Your FFP for the, those three year period going forward, so that's why they have to try and maneuver really closely around it and stuff like that. I think what they'll probably do is, I think you'll probably see this summer you'll you'll probably see a shirt sponsor potentially, which will obviously increase the commercial uh, money coming in income there, and then the new deal will come for the uh, off the kit supplier the following year so it'll increase our ffp capability over the next two years that way as well and hopefully obviously with the way things are going on the pitch as well and then you know it looks like there's going to be european competition of some sort that income's going to come through from you know gate receipts you've got obviously more turnover coming in from like match days uh, as in you know like the refreshments and all that sort of stuff and you know, they, it just goes every all these extra little things add up to the the FFP increasing. So, I think that, that what you'll say is, I think I, I think we will be stuck with cast off for next year. But I think you'll probably see a new shirt sponsor instead. But see, they, I think we'll see a few sponsorships in the summer. Um, yeah, they kind of, they, they put them on ice last summer because what it is is that when you're going to sponsor a club like that, right? So there's an algorithm of how they do it now. You know, MDD. This one was explained to me there a couple of months back, like you know, and it's basically like you no, know, they take into account fans, uh, online clicks, uh, how many live games you have, you know, 
all this kind of stuff. It's all taken into account. They run an algorithm and that's how they sponsor you. And that's how they come up with the figure. They have to provide that to the Premier League now for the Premier League to sign off on it. If they had done that last summer and if they tied themselves into a three-year contract, right, versus what they would have gotten this summer, you're talking tens of millions of difference. Yeah. You know, and that's why they held out. They chose, they could have tied into another three sponsors last summer that would have given us probably a better summer window and a better January trans window, but it would hinder us for the two years forward. You know, and that's why I say you don't, you don't deviate from a five-year plan, you know, for small wins. And that's why they waited. They waited until this summer because they were confident of getting a top A finish and a cup run. And then you're sponsoring a total different animal. You know, and that's what it will be in the summer. You're talking like STC will come in, um, Saudi Air will come in, and they'll probably have another couple of sponsors that will piggyback on the back of that. You know, you're talking maybe a stand renaming or a, a training ground renaming, you know, all these kind of trading, things. Ki- trading kits getting sponsored, like, you know, like you see, oh, yeah. there's loads Absolutely. of Yeah, you know, and it, it's like you're running the algorithm this year of a Newcastle team that probably have been live on Sky every second week. You know, I think we only have one game that's not live until the end of the season. Um, you're what, Southampton game. Top six team. Yeah, we're going to be a top six team and we're going to be Carabao Cup winners. So sponsoring that is, is totally different to sponsoring a team that had a, a good run instead out of a state over relegation battle last season. You know, so patience. You know, I understand why people will look at it and they say, oh, the squad was light and why let Chelsea go? You know, you're talking 120 million off the wages and 12 million into the bank. You know, if Shelby played another two more games, that's a huge wage output for the rest of the season and going into next year will somebody take them off hands for that fee and will they pay those wages you know i don't i don't think that one of the things that i know obviously me and pete talked about it in depth um we were a bit surprised that there was they still didn't pull the trigger potentially on a loan transfer for six months to tie it over as an extra week obviously using sabitzer again for example obviously ericsson went down out for this rest of the season on the transfer deadline day and they literally had pulled the trigger straight away on someone. Did Newcastle not even think about it? Obviously, you, obviously you might know who people have been. would have been, would have been our highest, but he would have been our highest wage earner if we had signed him. I, was you know, for example. I wasn't saying well, like, looked at it, but they wanted to trigger the, like it was a 25 million, they wanted to trigger it like after like five games or something like that. You know, and do you want to be tied down with a player that's just a progression or a step? Like, you know, as I said to people, do you want to be signing Sander Borge now in January and restricting yourself for going for a Declan race in the summer? You know, because that's what it is. Like, you know, and that's why you have to be patient. Like, are we really, really going to be going for a Declan Rice? Though? If we get Champions League, yeah. Come on. I'm, I'm telling you now, right? And Declan Rice is going to cost anywhere between 80 and 100 million. I don't care what anybody says. Are we really going to be looking to pay that sort of money for one player? Right. He's not going for anything cheaper, in my opinion. Right. This summer, this summer, we're a different. Here we go. Big, big screen for this, Sean. Okay. Tell us why. Tell us why you think we're in a different dynamic this summer. Then you can you can tie this question as well, Alex. Obviously, it's all going forward for obviously top four and stuff like that. So, hi. (laughs) (laughs) this feels like this feels like an anchorman moment or something doesn't it (laughs) feel free to use the whiteboard behind you um (laughs) so it's just basically sponsorship you know like sponsorship gives us a totally new revenue like you know and he will let go a couple of the you know these these core squad members like the likes of lascelles and stuff like that they will go off the book so it's not about money spend it's about wage capacity you know, and as soon as they can increase the wage capacity, 
we have money to spend, right? Mm. A club can be in debt. We can be in debt for a billion euros. Once we are facilitating that debt, it doesn't matter. The problem is wages, plain and simple. You know, if you're paying, say, 100 million for Declan Rice, his wages might only be 150 grand. You know, Jimmy, and that's how they do it. And you pay this, you pay this over what five years or six years or whichever, you know. So, the contract like the from Napoli, Casual Fella, or whatever, and now you're going to try and say his name. We were absolutely looking at him, you know, and okay. we will pay the fee for him if he's if he wants to come to Newcastle. If we get Champions League football, I wouldn't be surprised if we end up with him and Rice, you know. For me, I'm not a I think Rice has restrictions, and um, because if Rice is playing through the middle. And if he's playing as a restricted six, fantastic. If you get Rice into the wide areas, he's not as good. It's his big letdown with England, and you see it later on in the West Ham game when we played him as well. If you can move Rice out of the centre, he's not the same player. For me, if I was doing, if I'm looking at it, I'm thinking I'd get in probably Ugarte and I'd get in James Madison for the same price. You know, yeah. like there's a huge drop off in what the price is All in the summer. Game. You know, for you know, you have Declan Rice in the last two years of his contract as well next summer, so they will look to sell him. You know, and if they're relegated, they have it's a totally different ball game. Or even Calvin Phillips. You know, you get Calvin Phillips and James Madison in. Rice, Jimmy, has, got like, Rice has got an opportunity for an extension. He does, doesn't he? Actually, yeah. yeah. But the the thing is, like, even Calvin Phillips and Madison, you know, and if Madison doesn't come in, is it Charles Boulle, where Daz's man there from uh, Leipzig, you know, he's oh, yeah, the backup yeah. then. You know, but the the remit really for the summer transfer window is he wants big athletic players, and I think Eddie Howe's um, how would you say? I wouldn't say a stranglehold, but Eddie Howe's um, influence on the transfers will dilute a little bit because it's kind of log jamming a couple of things, and there's a couple of deals being worked on and stuff that he's after pulling the plug on himself. You know, he doesn't want too many egos too soon because it's a hard work inside. But for the progression of where we're going, we're going to have to bring in a couple of variables that we don't really know that well and see how it works out from, you know. So you will see us like our financial outlay in this summer will be huge. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if we be, we went ahead of our transfer record twice. You know, you have to remember we paid 67.5 million for Isaac. Yeah. You know, to me, that's a 22 year old striker. All of those players. That have just been said in the chat. So you've got KK, you've got Diaby, you've got Bellingham, you've got Rice. All of those players are players that can play within an Eddie Howe system. They, they've got the ability. They, they know how to play an Eddie Howe system. They they show it for their current teams. So I've not got an issue with that. For me, it's do we do we spend the level of money that would get KK out of Napoli? Um, you know, do we spend? The sort of money that would get Rice out of West Ham, and you know what West Ham are like—they don't want. They didn't want us to kind of take over anyway. They don't like us right now because we are literally doing what they were doing the last two years. That do they not slap an extra twenty million on our price tag just because it's Newcastle? But well, again, it's one of them. Not, it's one of them. Because like, let's face it, West Ham expect to be where we are next season, even regardless of their season right now. They've invested the money with the likes of Coqueto, 170 odd million in the summer, spent more since 200 plus million they've spent this summer. They would expect to be where we are next season. So, will they want to sell us their key asset to make us 
an even better prospect of, of European football to stop them being that team next season. See, that, you have to you have yeah. to look at it this way, right? PIF will only be this patient for so long, you know, and they'll only kind of abide by the rules for so long, you know. With Isaac, our current owners, like the the ownership that's in place at the moment, you know, Ashworth and stuff like that, they they didn't want to go near Isaac for that money, and PIF were like, do something, get it done get him in and they said 67.5 million here's the change you know <laughs> with with Anthony Gordon the same thing you know it was there was haggling over a fee and it was like it's it's no coincidence that the owners were in uh, was it Riyadh they were in and 24 hours later the deal was done it was a quick phone call what you want yeah there you go let's get the deal done you know you're going to see a lot more of that and you're going to see a lot more aggression in the transfer market going forward. You know, and in the summer, if you're paying 67.5 million for a striker who's after his worst season in Spain, are you going to pay 80 million for Declan Rice who's been renowned as probably the best defensive midfielder or one of the best defensive midfielders in the world at the moment? Why not? There, there's, lev- there's levels though. Like, we have, like in pe- I see people in the chat as well. We have to be getting Champions League to go after this type of player. We have, we have to be in the next European competition to be in this and so on and so forth. Like, if it, yeah. it's all depends on our league position as, as well. What, I what we what, can Tom asked, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. So, so I, if we do finish top four, it's going to open a different sort of bracket for the player. Yeah. You know, t- qualities and stuff like that and type the plan won't change you know and let's be honest with you they want players that are going to buy into the project so they oh, will yeah. aim for players that want to play in the Champions League and we will tell them you give us a year and you'll get us into the Champions League you know and that's that's the proposition that you have for players they can see like where the club is going you know like there's a there's a like Manchester United aren't going to go for Declan Rice in the summer they have Cashmere you know you have Chelsea, they've just signed Enzo Fernandez, and you had Tabui who thought that they automatically qualify for Champions League every year. So if they don't get Champions League, that's the Moody equation. That's you the know? Super League, you think it? You have, my, my opinion, they'll probably look at probably between Rice as in their top level targets. I'd say you're probably Rice and Moise Acido at Brighton. And then working back from that, you have your like, say, Garte and Toram that they'll probably look at. Mm. You know, But they will bring in two into that midfield three in the summer. Jimmy, and it's. Like the, we can dream, like you know, like I rule nothing out, you know, from well, everything Arsenal that I'm hearing. Arsenal are linked with them, right? Yeah, but if if um, Arsenal take Rice or Moise as a Cedo, that opens the door to us to sign one of them. Yeah, about Liverpool. You know, if Liverpool don't get Champions League financially, they're screwed. You know, they won't have the financial capability to go for Rice. Jimmy, like they are... I think everyone keeps saying that they're going to go. Bellingham's going to go. But he won't go with the, the Champions League. It's because he, it's because him and his dad are, are big Liverpool fans. That it was a done deal earlier on in the season before the World Cup because, like you said, everyone thinks that Liverpool are going to get Champions League football. But it's why you know someone put in the chat earlier like are we worried because Eddie Howe didn't Eddie Howe's team didn't perform in a must-win game against Liverpool at St James's Park. It wasn't must win for us. It was a must, must win for Liverpool. They that game, to. that game they was an, an, it was an anomaly, though. You know, like if you if you watch that game back and if you actually cut out those that period of ten minutes, like we dominated, like we dominated with ten men, we dominated when until they scored the first goal. You know, yeah, like half an hour of craziness there. Or, it was or just what I mean, Pete said on Sunday night. It was literally the first ten minutes we were all over them. 
Then that 15 minute spell, the two goals and the sending off, and then afterwards it was all Newcastle again. On well, another day, we beat them three or four nil. Absolutely, I think even with ten, even with eleven men, we probably come back and beat them. Mm-hmm. You know, Carragher said that yesterday. Mm. Carragher said that yesterday. If anyone's watched Carragher, he does these Champions League on another channel. It might be BN Sports or something like that. And he was talking about obviously the the the, the demise of Liverpool against Real Madrid, and he actually refers back to he, he says Newcastle for long parts were, were the better team, created the better chances, and actually on another day. 11 against 11, Newcastle get it back to at least 2 2. He said it's that. Funny. Said. It's funny, like, because my, one of my mates there, he's a massive Liverpool fan, like, and he loves ripping the piss on me about all things Newcastle. And after the game, it was about a half an hour later, I was like, I haven't heard anything from him. Is he still alive? Like, so I texted him, I was like, have you got anything to say? And he was like, nah, we were terrible. He goes, like, because I was kind of watching it, and uh, the result papered over the cracks. <clears> we're in big trouble. Yeah. You know? In contrast, I got loads of abuse from my Liverpool friends. I'm delighted. You know why I put your big screen there? Because I'm just thinking what I can write for the next poster on that board behind you, John. I'm never coming back snap, again. Snapshot that. <laughs> no, it's gonna be look, it's, it, I personally can't see it, but look, anything's possible. There's a long time between now and the end of the season. We could finish anywhere. We could quite easily finish top four. And Liverpool, like you said, and Chelsea's, and you know, all those teams could fall off. We don't quite know. Like even even when we were talking as a as a group, even when you were on back in January, Sean, I don't think even though we talked about it back then, I don't think anyone knew it was a definite possibility that we'd be sitting here at the beginning of the season with Alexander Izak in our team. No, although we knew it, although we knew it was a possibility, and you talked about it, we even spoke about it in the mm. summer before it was even news mm. about Alexander Isaac. Nobody thought that was going to be a possibility that we could take Alexander Isaac from Real Sociedad. We actually we spoke about it in January first, and I got slayed about it for months, saying that absolutely no way would he come near us. And I think, you know, in around the week that they they build up the signing him. You know, I, I probably sent you a couple of messages, uh, Pete, just to say, look, I'm getting, uh, there was a lot of rumblings going yeah. on there. And what it was is that there was talk of Munich and Barcelona actually kind of showing interest in them and stuff. And we jumped at it. We grabbed them. You know? It's on the list, though. The list uh, to make a move if, some, if there was movement. Yeah, we did yeah. We did do a bit of in-depth discussion with, with Sir Hunter. Uh, but we were kind of throwing a few different names at her at the time. That's where it was on CBS. Ah. Uh, Galasso, which is where uh, Ben Jacobs, friend of the channel, um, um, reports from as well. So yeah, but thank you for that. Thank you for that, Nick. Um, but yeah, uh, interesting. Uh, Alan Thompson, he disagrees. He says he thinks Liverpool were were far better than us. They were toying with him in the second half. Don't be blinded by the black and black and white eyes. Uh, <laughs> it's an interesting take. Interesting. I don't know a lot of Newcastle fans that think <laughs> that we that we created the better chances. We created some good chances. I think I do agree. Later on, Liverpool had chances to wrap it up, and they didn't. But but you're going to get that against ten men, though. Yeah, of course. That's that's, a, that's also a very very. Good you know, I I watched the game and like afterwards, I was like, why am I not disappointed after losing two 0 You know. So look, it's it's in the past now. You know, I just disappointed we won't get a chance to rectify it against them this season. But look, on but, the Sunday, but, 
you know, may, maybe I'll throw up the, the league table as well, Sean. But yeah. where do you think we're going to finish? Uh, no problem. Everyone's leaving. <laughs> I'll be back. Don't worry. <laughs> no, where, where do you think we'll finish in the the league, Sean? As I, I, I bring up the league table here first. Boom. There you go. Sitting in fifth. With uh, Spurs, with the, have, haven't played a game more, having one point more, but we have a better goal difference. Um, I think top three is, is out of reach. I think we're fighting for from fourth downwards. Uh, we're I, fighting think, for I think it's hard to say. I think I think Sunday's going to be the catalyst for the rest of our season. You know, the momentum I think if there. We, I think if we win that, I think we'll finish top four. You know, but I I don't know. I can see us finishing fifth. You know, I just think that's where we're going to land. But I don't see. I don't think Spurs or Liverpool have the consistency to take us out of the top four. They neither. You know, I think we have a dodgy. We have we have United. We have Man City away, and after that, our running is kind of okay. You know, we've played Arsenal away. We've played Liverpool away. We've played Manchester United away. We have Man City away. We played Spurs away. You know, when you look at that, the top half of the table there, we've played Fulham away. We've played Brighton away. Yeah. You know. We've actually played the best part of the top half of the table away already. You know, so our sticky matches will come home. Jimmy, the problem for Newcastle now is that, you know, I think he was kind of shy on integrating uh, Gordon into the system. You know, we'll have Gordon and Isaac now who are going to be full tilt at it as well. You know, it's kind of unlocking that lower block is going to be key. Yeah, and and we'll have, you don't rule out ASM as well. He was playing for for his Newcastle career, you know. He, 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 He wants to hang around. I don't think it's um, left, you know, as such. Um, I don't think, regardless of what he does, I think he's gone in the zone. And just throwing back, so you, you think you, if you were to guess, you're you're th- guessing that we'd finish fifth, but we'd still go after, go after, and try and potentially get a Declan Rice. That's what the aim is, you know. But will they get him? Probably not. You know, I'm very uncomfortable with paying eighty million for Declan Rice because I don't think he's worth it. You know, so I prefer to look. You're elsewhere. still bitter. Still bitter where you left where you left her. <laughs> no, I'm actually not. It's not even that. It's I just don't think he's. I think there's better players and there's more dynamic players there than Declan Rice. You know, that's my take on it, lads. I'm gonna have to go. It's been a pleasure. Um, oh, are we doing a Sunday night celebration? Are we? We can we do that. So it might have to be Monday for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah we, we, yeah, lads, look after yourselves. Um, I have to pop off, and a no, pleasure as always. Um, we do it again. Just give me a little bit of notice that it's definitely happening this time, Pete. Reciprocate <laughs> 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 that as well. Go back two messages, check, and I said it's penciled in, meaning it's done. It's done. It's but, but, before you leave, Sean. Prediction, prediction uh, for the, the score. One in Newcastle. One in Newcastle. Score. I'm going to stick with Sven Bartman for now. Okay. Good luck, lads. Enjoy it. Fingers Cheers, crossed. Sean. Take care. Find yourself. Top man. Cowboy out. Great time. Um, yeah. Oh, it's good crack at Sean. Um, and yeah, an interesting take there, especially on, on you just missed that last bit that he, he has a start as potentially finishing fifth and Go, still going after the likes of Declan Rice. I think we have to be in Champions League to have any chance. And then we're, we're in a massive battle in, of course. Yeah, uh, with, with him and a few more. It's been well documented. Um, and obviously, 
I get to be in a, I get to be in a chat with with Lorna, so I get to hear all yeah. the rest of that over and over again. Whilst whilst the rest of them wind him up, by the way, they they love to wind him up. Um, but yeah, the one thing that they've that, that it seems to be talked about from a West Ham perspective that he's only leaving for for Champions League football. Um, so if he does leave this summer, and yeah, I think we, we've all I think. We alluded to it when I'm talking about Rice and that he actually has a year's trigger extension this summer. So even though we'll have a year's left at the end of this season, they can trigger it for another year. So we'll have effectively, you know, two years left. So um That's where they get the best value for him though. Yeah, and and that'll be it. So for me, I think he'll leave he'll only leave this summer for Champions League football. I don't personally see him coming to Newcastle because I don't I don't see us paying anywhere between 180 to 100 million for a player. And it goes back to what Dan Ashworth said when he was talking, I think he was talking to, to Sky about um, uh, about all, all things Newcastle. And he was saying, you know, if if we're signing 80 to 100 million pound players, then I'm not doing my job right because that's not what he's been built on. I don't expect him to be buying three, four million pound players constantly and consistently. I expect him to be buying like or or, or highlighting players of a, of a, of a bigger financial um, ilk. Yeah. But for me, I, I don't. I, I just. I don't see it. I don't see it. And, and like, look, we. I know you more than anyone, but but we, we, we've all seen KK and we know how good he is. Um, he's tearing it up in Italy time and time again. He's a He's it's a, a pipe dream, though, for, for him to come to Newcastle. He's a generational player, mm. but he's going to cost... Oh, he can't, he can't, yeah. 400 million, because it, it's the same for Ossiman. Ossiman won't leave for anything, in my opinion, close to 80 to 100 million, because they don't have any need to sell him. Napoli, God knows how many points clear in Serie A, they're going to win the league, barring an absolute meltdown. And for me... They don't need to sell those type of players. If you're going to prize them away, they're going to they're going to need to go for big money. And I just don't see Newcastle <clears> spending <throat> the money to get those type of players. Adam Bailey just talked about second for four. We haven't talked about him for a while. But <laughs> a player like him, a player like him, in my opinion, can come in and do what Declan Rice does in the Premier League right now. He's primed and proper. He's ready for it. Lee's talked about him before. I've, I've seen him on numerous occasions. We all have. He's, you could spend 30 million on him now. He's 26 years old. If you get four, five, six years out of him of playing that quality, intense football in that number six position and you're not spending that sort of money. And this is why I say there are a pool of players. I love Madison, but I know there's probably four or five other players out there that Newcastle could get that could come in and do exactly the same job as Madison. But it's about finances. It's about how much we're yeah. going to spend on those players. I, I just just think that no one knows when it, if if we got Champions League, all bets are off for everybody. I think think it's it's just we uh, we, we don't know we don't know what, what what's going to happen. So well, we just have to look at let's get over over oh, enjoy and get over the the, the League Cup final on Sunday first. Then we'll be back into because we, there's no point even talking about some of these players if we if our league form continues to to. To, to it's, drop, yeah, it's so, uh, fantasy football does at the minute. Yeah, it is. It is. I might as well go back to playing my uh, 2020 football manager if that's the case, you know. But um, 
yeah, look at that. Well, great to have Sean on get, get his opinion and a, another another voice on on the, the the final as well and a bit of, uh, of what lies ahead for the summer first. Uh, all, all that talk, uh, fully loaded transfer show back twice a day um, in in the summer. Um, but yeah, maybe we we'll let people know. I'm going to give a shout out to the sponsors as well. Um, and maybe if there's any remaining questions, we we'll touch on them. But yeah, what's what's happening? Uh, what's what's remaining in our week of uh, build up? Pete, tell us what's happening on Friday, half seven. Yeah, really excited um, to get side TV. Um, I, I did him a disservice. I said, "Oh, you know, he's got fifty thousand subscribers on his channel. He's actually got sixty. Just turned over sixty thousand. <laughs> so, yeah, I apologise to him for that. But Saeed TV, uh, really looking forward to coming on to our channel. Um, he has watched um, a number of bits that we've done on the channel before um, to talk all things cup final. Um, I'm sure he won't help hold back on his opinions of what he thinks is going to happen. Um, he's been well documented in talking up Man United very highly. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to get down to it and we're going to talk all things cup final um, and get his opinions on not just Newcastle, but Man United and uh, how he sees the game unfolding. So, yeah, excited to get him on. Um, so make sure you tune in. That's Friday at 7.30. We're going to kick off uh, and get right into it all. And forget about Saeed, come on. The big news there is... I will be making my away days debut. It's never happened Not before. I want to try and does. No, Not no, I, I did. I did go on to the Chelsea one with, with you, but I never. I, I never got, one. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> hey, but the problem is, I, I just cause cause a fight. I, you know, I, I just cause a war. I, I can't can't trust myself to to say something stupid and, and uh, they'll never come back on the show again. But maybe that. Maybe that's quality YouTube. I don't know, um, <laughs> but yeah, I'll, I'll come on the way this at some point, and we're going to do a, a members draw. So uh, Chris has all the details on that, so stay tuned for that. If you're not, if you have not a member already, or you were a member in the past, just just check that you're you're still a member. So that is coming up on Friday. Maybe I'll just give a shout out to the sponsors and Richie, if there's any other questions, we can tackle them then. So shout out first to, and I know Russ is in the chat to the readyendershed.com and I was chatting to, to Russ today. There we have Pete in jail for a change. And of course, the, the lovely radiators, the lovely different colors that, that Russ has available. And you know at this stage where to go to check, readyendershed.com and what Russ does. And we will be having some new pictures from Russ as well. Uh, not that the, the other ones weren't bad, uh, but yeah, they're doing up show rooms. So when he has those all completed, he's going to share the pictures with, with us. And of course, the install works as, as well. Russ is on the company uh, and he's, he's getting us pictures of that. So uh, look forward to that. And of course, if you need that, then you know where to contact. Also, shout out to Bathroom Design Co. H H two O. Yeah, so a shout out to the to Martin there and uh, the northeast largest supplier of Vilcroy and bathroomware. Team Valley Gateshead, uh, over twenty years established, ran by the family. Get down to the showroom on Eleventh Avenue, Team Value, Team Valley Estate, Gateshead. As if I knew where that was, I have no idea. Um, right, but uh, yeah. If, we can we maybe we go visit visit when we're over in, in April. Uh, a loaded trip. We, Not worth busy, it. busy agenda. <laughs> only, oh it's only, yeah. It's only a big like re, there's a retail park there, which is all right, and then there's a, it's mainly just all businesses, mate. Literally. Yeah. But it obviously 
That has, uh, we, we, say, we better keep Pete away from there, actually, because you've already, <laughs> already know that Pete's missus likes to look at these oh, dead just, <laughs> oh, I was just about to say, it's all right, you see, it's all right you're saying that, but if we're bringing the wise of us, that's the one place <laughs> they're going to want to be. So actually, you put in the, you guys put in the address on. We're booked in, that's we're booked in now. Written down. <laughs> so... We have the match, and we have we have a visit to our sponsors that on, on our loaded trip. For we're not meeting anyone in the pub now, um, right? Uh, but yeah, th- th- that's that's a shout out uh, to our sponsors. Um, but yeah, we, so we're going to be back on Friday for for a wait list. Richie, any of the last questions or anything else you want to cover before we shut down? Yeah, there's, the a, there's a couple of little ones we could probably take off. Uh, just to clear up the the fact about the the Matty ticket that we set out for two thousand four hundred pounds. Obviously, someone else actually put it in the chat what I've mentioned before. And obviously, someone had started while I was going to the comments. Said to be fair to Matt, it's been sorted out by one of his sponsors. They've basically just paid for it, and then they won't be paying him anymore for future sponsorship. So it's not really a fan selling it on. I, I did see I had actually read it with the sponsor had paid for it. And obviously, thanks for Chris UK sit there for clearing that up as well. Uh, it wasn't like someone had ripped him off. I don't, see, I don't know how the ticket came about, but obviously. The sponsors agreed to pay for it, so that's a little bit something different on that one. That wasn't, um, that wasn't a slant on on Matty at all. No, 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 no. He's done what he needed to do to get to the to, to get to the cup final. I would just it was more it was more shock and surprise at the price. Yeah, actually, from what you've said, Richie, on, on, from that comment, it makes sense. Um, and actually, you know, if the sponsors are going to pay it, fair enough. Yeah. All yeah. I'll just say is, uh, Russ. <laughs> you got five of us. Just saying. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Cha- Champions League final, Russ. You know what oh, happens. <laughs> you do know what's going to happen. You do know what's going to happen now, don't you, Pete? He's going to turn and say, "Yes, lads, I'll get you five tickets, right?" But I expect you and the missus to be there in in the <laughs> yeah. showroom. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Yeah. Take your pick. Take take your pick, please. <laughs> To be fair, I'd, I'd, I'd know many of them. Those bathrooms are outstanding. And radiators. You're getting radiators as well. It's a package deal here you're getting. <laughs> yeah, we need them. We need them. Black and white, obviously. Yeah, definitely. Right. There's, a, there's three little points that I think are worth discussing. We've got about 15 minutes to cover at tops there. So, obviously, Pete, I know you briefly touched on this topic on the, the 12th man earlier on, but Peter Guy was just saying he wants to know what the crack is with, with uh, Ryan Fraser. Because, obviously, he's been set out in the under-23s. Uh, has anybody heard anything about why? Is it just literally down to his attitude again, or or what? I was just, just assuming. A... Uh, go on, guys. So go on. No, yeah, no, just, I was just going to say, I just read the, the Hopi article. That's, that's the only thing uh, I've I seen on it. Um, yeah, and I think what you're going to say, Pete, yeah, you, you assume it's something linked to that, because Eddie Howe wouldn't, wouldn't drop him down there for no reason. Like, uh, and like. He'd be he'd be potentially on the bench for us. Uh, he would be on the bench for us uh, for the cup final if if he was if it was all rosy there in in, uh, in uh, with with Eddie Howe. So something something that stinks. Does anyone see it being Eddie Howe retribution on him for what he did with at Bournemouth? <laughs> People nah. are gonna see it like that. Mm. Gonna gonna that, like that. All that lad. <laughs> That's a Chris question. A spaceship Chris question. Yeah, I, I do think I do think that's what you've said is right. Is that if you like, we've put up the tactics board a number of times, and we've looked not just at the start of the level, but the subs. Like you'd put Matt, you not Matt Richie, you put Ryan Fraser in that category to come off the bench and affect yeah. the game in a cup final or, or any game. And the fact that he's not, 
and the fact that we've got a very light squad at the moment, you would take any senior player as as you could. He's 27 years old. You would expect him to be in and around things. The fact that he's fit in training and Eddie Howe's not, not, not deviated from that. When he was asked a question a couple of weeks ago about Ryan Fraser, he said he's training, he's fit, there's no issues. So that clearly suggests that there's a problem with Ryan Fraser and not the club. Um, so therefore... You know, we talked about it on deadline day when we were doing the, yeah. the match day live and, and, and we, it, there was genuine links that he was going to go to Hull and that never materialised. And whether he's rejected that and he, he's threw up a bit of a strop, that's fine. But again, it just proves Eddie Howe's ability to stamp his authority no matter whether he likes the player or knows the player. He is not going to let anyone just kind of um, manipulate the situation. And you don't want that type of negativity going into a cup final. So he's gone, you know what? If you're not going to toe the line, get in the under-21s. That's where you need to be. Simple as. Um, and you know what? Fair play. Fair play. He'll, he'll bring in a young player to take his position and probably give him an opportunity than he would play someone like an expert Ryan Fraser and cause an unrest, uh, an unrest in, in the squad of players. So it's what a good manager does. Yeah. It is kind of unusual, though, uh, that this information comes out right before the cup final. You know, um, you imagine it. <laughs> imagine when it took taking place next week when when it's uh, we're we're back to business in the league and it's it's getting you know it's all because it's all meant to be kind of good atmosphere, good vibes and stuff leading up to. I think you know. I think, it's, I think it's a good. I think it's a good time to get out because if you, if, if the worst was to happen and Newcastle lost next week. And then that news comes out again. It, it could be something where they think, "Oh, well, has that been something that's affected the squad going into the game?" Depending, obviously, that I think he's put it out there now, so it's out in the open, so that, that they can't be blamed if there's a negative result on on Sunday. Uh, and obviously, if there's a positive result. It can say it had, a, you know, it hasn't affected the camp going into the game either. So it's, I think, it's probably a good little tactical move, really, to have it released before rather than after, because obviously, you lose at Liverpool. Obviously, yes, the team was good. Obviously, ten with ten men, stuff like that. And obviously, second loss of the season. Then, if we were the worst was to happen, we lost the cup final. And then there's another net that's like three negative things <laughs> out regards to the club. So perhaps it is a good one to get out now. And then obviously, whatever happens on Sunday happens because it kind of goes under the carpet as well as it was. Yeah, yeah one way. Yeah, yeah. Craig Hope's got a lot of, a lot of stick from it. If you look at the comments underneath his his report of the of the article. There's a lot, of, a lot of Newcastle fans saying, you know, why are you posting negativity so close to the final, blah, 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 blah. But it, it, what Richie said is a genuine point. It, it, you know, get it out in the open early. Um, it can then not be used as, a, as an excuse later on. Um, and uh, with Eddie Howe and Newcastle, uh, they're, a, they're a club at the moment that like to kind of lay the cards out and just let you know how it is uh, from a reality point of view. And um, yeah, I, I respect that 110%. So you know, you can you can imagine that he's not going to be part of the squad. You can imagine he's not going to travel. So then, at least you know when you look at the squad available, why he's not there. So, I think the other thing as well with the fact that Brian Fraser is, are any of the fans actually surprised going off his past history? If it had been another player that had been put in the 23, someone who you hadn't expected, say, for example, there's so much been going on about Jamal Lascelles, Matt Ritchie, um, 
and Jacob Murphy, as you know, Sean mentioned earlier on, they've got a fantastic attitude in and around. Thing. And yes, they haven't been playing this season as much as they have been in previous seasons. But if one of those was moving to the 23s, you'd probably think there's perhaps there's something <laughs> a little bit more going on there to it. But with Ryan Fraser, it's 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 him, it's, it's his character full stop. And then like obviously I know Peter's alluded to it before and we about you know Eric Ten Hag got rid of Ronaldo, which was having a negative effect on the club. If Ryan Fraser, even the slightest little bit, Eddie Howe is exactly the same. Two clubs going in the right direction, don't need anything dragging them back down again. And I know obviously Ryan Fraser is not the same level as Ronaldo by any <laughs> shape or means. But, you, but the thing is, though, whether he's got the same playing ability or not, you can still have the, a, a negative effect on the on the, the squad because he's going to have friends within that squad. He's been with at Bournemouth and obviously with Matt Richie when I was closer there, Wilson, and he might even some of the staff in the coaching staff, he might know. If he you know plants seeds and stuff out, they can get and affect the, the the rest of the work and ability of the squad as well. So, you know, I'm not surprised by when it was announced. To be fair, because obviously he hasn't been playing either. So, yeah. I'll just add on there, Keaty's, but Craig, no hope. He's quite a negative reporter. He, <clears throat> his glass is always half empty. I do watch his shows, and, and, and he's a good balance. But I mean, um. Craig Hope, he's a good reporter. You've got to remember. Excellent. You know, yeah, you're right, Gaz. He's an excellent reporter on all things Newcastle. He has been trusted, clearly, um, to hold a lot of information um, and get a lot of information out regarding Newcastle first compared to any other journalist. And there's a reason for that. The club clearly trust him with the information that he's being given because of the amount of exclusives that he gets given. But you've got to remember... We all have to remember here, with every journalist that we get on, whether it's Jordan Cronin, whether it's uh, um, whether it's Dom Skur, whether it's whoever it is, the, the Chronicle boys that were on last night, doesn't matter. You know, they have to report from a neutral basis. Like you, t- you hear them talk about it all the time. Jordan you know, talked about it with us you know, after the show the other day. Yeah, Pete Graves. Um, Keith Downey, all these guys that come onto the show, even Graham Bailey, who's a Borough fan, but reports on Newcastle. That's that's enough of that. But um, you know, with all of that, it's a case of they have to stay neutral. And although a lot of those guys, if not all of them, support Newcastle United and love the club and want the best, absolute best for the club, they have to report neutrally. And sometimes they have to put stuff out there because, for example, Craig Hope. If he'd have not put that story out today, could have come from another journalist tomorrow, and from his position, he's missed a big story. And it's not really sharp either. It's not just just that, though, Pete. There's the fact that, you know, uh, obviously what uh, Katie said about about the fact that he's a quite negative report, it could be that the fact that the club actually trust him to release it in a way where it's a negative one, but it's not going to come across (laughs) negative on the club as such. Because... You know, one of the things, obviously, and for anyone who watched the show last night, obviously, they'll know. So we discussed this um, because at the live event, and I went to where, obviously, where I met Andrew when Ariel a couple of weeks ago. Luke Edwards is there as well. And Luke Edwards actually got asked the question about, uh, and he answered it that, look, we still we still get the negative stories, you know, what what's going on in the club, but obviously, it's we can obviously choose to portray it a certain way if we want to. We can choose to ignore it, and this is the fact is. The club is in such a good state now. Yes, we still hear it, but it might not be worth reporting on anymore. 
You know, it's it's not a story like it used to be with under the Mike Ashley era, where there was always you know stories coming out by players. We know it's a closed niche shop now, but the thing is though, negative stories will still come out. It's just the amplitude of how many are going to come out. You know, if if there was nothing coming out at all, would you be would you be even more surprised? It, it, it goes back to the point. What negative stories have come out this season, apart from the Ryan Fraser situation? That, that there haven't been any, and, no. and the, 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 there's clearly a reason for that. But, but you're absolutely right. It's the way in which they come out, and actually, it's not really news right now. A negative story coming out. Ryan Fraser's is, but the one thing that you're looking at, and what we're looking at just now in the last five minutes, talking about it. We're looking at this situation, pointing the finger at Ryan Fraser, not the club. Yeah, and we, we've kept this to the to the end of the show as well because we've got we, we're all about the positivity ourselves. You know, yeah. uh, we, we don't need it to to to, to, yeah. to base a whole show on it. In the past, that would be a whole show because there was so Listen, little happening with, New, with Newcastle. And uh, we look forward to having Craig Hope on next week when we send him this clip and just how we beat you up, Craig. So uh, we hope no we He'll be on very. He'll be on soon. There's no doubt about it. He he owes us because mm. like the the the, the, ch- the, the, the chatters won't know this, but you boys know it because I talk to you. Is it like he's been down to come and join us at least two or three times over the last year? And it's back in the Bruce been, era, he was down. I'm a poster. Maybe more than that. Yeah, <laughs> but, like he's been down, but for obviously reasons, various different reasons, he's not been able to join. Um, uh, he was actually potentially going to be joining us this week, but then something's come up and he's not not been able to. But he has said, and I've said it to you boys, he owes us one. <laughs> so he will be on Lonely Bag NUFC at some point to talk Newcastle. Right. Oh, is- we'll go negative. We'll go negative, Craig. And you don't want us to go negative. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then we'll never go on again. We we'll go to the dark side. <laughs> right. Two quick topics then we'll round it off. This, what, this one off uh, Steve Warnock. He says that we st- he feels we've still got a, a big call to make on Mickey this summer, uh, mainly because he's so reliant on that left foot that it slows us down a lot on the right, often too much, and then there's no early balls in. Quickly, what do you what, what do you reckon on that, lads? Go on, lads. Sorry, I'm sorry. Oh, that's you I, oh. I, I have to read this now for a second. I'm sorry, it wasn't listening, Richie. Oh, cheers, mate. Thanks. <laughs> well, he, he will stay, in my opinion, he will stay at the club beyond this summer. Purely because we play European yeah. football. Uh, I, yeah, I think with M- Miggy says, uh, and it'd be good to have another option as well. Just to, to, to our squad is going to get bigger, no matter what, Champions League or no Champions League, uh, we'll be in some kind of European competition. We need we need different options uh, to mix it up. Uh, but yeah, I definitely keep Miggy uh, unless we get some kind of massive offer. Yeah, if we get thirty million, he goes. We, we'll do all that in squad game, game. We, maybe we'll add another element to the squad game we also had another feature but we'll yes. add uh, how much would you sell them for it's like uh, <laughs> the price is right the price is right edition how about that that's oh <laughs> how we, we, we spruce all ideas here well. it? <laughs> are you going to get the music as well I'll have the music don't worry about that we'll start to <laughs> yeah then we'll have a hit tomorrow on YouTube and this, 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 we talk straight down <laughs> we'll get a, a, a remix we we'll get the remix version <laughs> <laughs> I think the only thing I think what we've got to just a quick answer to this question as well. My point of view is we've got to remember that players like Mickey are gonna like next season, the season before, the season after that, are gonna be the people who are gonna be the likes of people like Jacob Murphy are now and what Matt Ritchie are. And if he is you, you if your weakest player in your squad is Miguel Almiron, 
it shows that the club's in a fantastic place, really. The players that are ahead of him must be one hell of a you know quality addition that's going to push him down that that far. But that's the direction we're going now, and he will be moved on at some point. You know, he's he's, he's late twenties now as well, so you know it's not like he's going to have a long career with Newcastle anyway. You know, he may only have like two years left, as I've just mentioned. So that's something to uh, to bear in mind as well. And final question, just before we round off, and it's off my our friend Michael Palmer, and he says, question for all of us. Are we really fighting with the likes of Fulham, Brighton, Brentford for Europe, rather than Manua, Spuds, Chelsea and Liverpool for Champions League? I think we're fighting with both, uh, to tell you the truth. Uh, but uh, we're, we're not fighting with... with uh, I can't remember the other one he said there, but we're not fighting with Arsenal, Man City, Man United. They're, they're going to be ahead of us. We're fighting with, with everyone from fourth down to... Oh, I'm going to say eighth. Because I don't, I don't really think Brentford will 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 challenge us. So we're cha- that, that's our that's our, our our batch of teams we're fighting with. But and to finish top of that mini league is is our aim to finish in that fourth spot. I would I would say we're fighting like Man United have just pulled away slightly, um, and I think they will probably finish third. Um, I don't think they're in a title race, but but they'll finish third. I think we're fighting with Tottenham, Brighton and Liverpool. Now, it's weird me saying that because Fulham are in sixth. I do think Fulham will drop away. I think they're having a great moment and well deserve the praise that they're getting. But I think we're fighting with Tottenham, Brighton and Liverpool for that for, for those top places. I, I agree with you on that, Pete. Do you know, the, you know, the good thing is, obviously, we've played Liverpool both times now, so obviously the, the, they're going to have some hard games c- coming up for themselves. And Tottenham and Brighton have both got a couple of Newcastle. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think you know, I think we are still fighting for fourth. I think that's realistically. It's, in, it's, it's still for, for those for those reasons, Rich, Richie. It's still in our hands. Yes. After the cup final, we go to the Etihad. It's going to be a difficult game, you know. Mm-hmm. I take a point right now off the top of off the top of my head with regards to Etihad. Uh, but after that, as we've said, we've got Man United that needs to come to St James's. You've got Tottenham. You've got you know Brighton, as you've said. You you've got um, okay. We need to go to Brentford, um, and we need to go to Stamford Bridge. But you know, in terms of those teams that we're fighting in the mm-hmm. round our next game and our last game of the seasons against those teams, they come to us. That changes things. We get three points, that blows everything wide open. It's a completely different mindset that we're thinking of. Um, but I just think, in my opinion, that Fulham will drop off. I do think they're in a purple patch right now, but I think they'll have another down down patch. And that might be the reason why they finish just out of European spots. Yeah. And if if we, if we were to finish in fourth spot, that that is like like a trophy win as well for us. Like it it's absolutely massive. Of what we could could do with that then going into the summer and building on that. And, yeah, that's what we talked about finances with Sean tonight. Yeah, exactly, it, it's all all linked all linked together. On that. What, what, over the course, just 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 playing the just playing the the um, the the opening league, um, the the league section. It gets you the best part of 50, 60 million for the season. We get into the qualified, like the, the knockout phases. Every qual- every knockout phase off the back of that earns you an extra 10 million or so off the back of that. So you guarantee big money off the back of that. So 
that's money we can spend. The, 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 that's not even including the level of sponsorship. If we if we get Champions League football, we can add an extra 10, 20 million to any sponsorship that we get. Include and more, most importantly, the, the, the shirt, what's yeah. on the front of the shirt. So, if, um, you know, Fun AA apparently are going to be leaving. We can ask for another 15, 20 million off the back of that, whoever takes on the reins, because we're playing Champions League football. And that goes into the coffers. That means more money for us to spend, more sponsors available, more sponsors around the stadium on Champions League nights. It just just changes the dynamics. It's less of an excuse for the Premier League to sign off on on the deal as well. So, uh, yeah, yeah it, all, it all adds up. So, yeah, it, that, that's what I mean. It mightn't be actually be a trophy for for finishing fourth, but it's a trophy uh, nonetheless. Uh, so, uh, well, let, let's forget about that. For we maybe that's concentrate on on, on our on our league, league cup final on Sunday. That was that the that was in the questions, Richie. It was, yeah. But the, something has there's been breaking news just, just oh. in the last few minutes. And it seems it's one thing we have to we we do have to pick these sort of things up seriously. And it's just want to say trolls. Where's that comment gone? Right there, (laughs) I found it. He's in the trolls. (laughs) Back as a member. Finally, (laughs) (laughs) good lad, trolls. Good lad. Welcome, trolls. Welcome back, trolls. Yeah, Um, definitely. I thought something was going to massive drop there, Richie. That, that I didn't know. <laughs> that, is, that is massive. It's true. Shows has been a big follower of the channel all yeah, the way yeah. from, from the beginning. So great time as, course, as a yeah. member. And perfect timing because he's yeah, in the, the draws on Friday. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, there you go. Right. Lads, we leave it there. Back right. on Friday for away days. Catch us there and the last the last show before the League Cup final. Thanks to Sean for coming on earlier. How'd you like that? Later.